What were you doing in the early 2000s? A time when Britney, Blockbuster, Napster, and Nokia ruled the world. Joe and Mel present the week that was 20 years ago. T-20, a podcast about not-so-ancient history. Week of 19 May 2002. T-20, the rest is history. Britney, bitch. T-20, nominate two housemates. If you think you're some bitches full of crap, give me a hell. In the words of Jan Event, hello and thanks for joining us. Welcome to the week of the 19th to the 25th of May 2002. It's T-20, the podcast about not-so-ancient history, where we talk TV, music, news, sport, movies and general pop culture. If you've been here before, you know the deal. Mm. If it's your first time, welcome Yes. Mel, Thanks over for coming. the other side of the desk. Hi, Mel. How are you? I'm good. How my, are you? My name's Joe, by the way, in case we haven't met. And if we have, <laughs> it's great to see you, hear you, whatever again. See you again? I'm not hearing you. You're hearing me. Should we start again? No, let's keep going. What else is happening this week? <laughs> this week we had a breakthrough in one of the highest profile disappearances in the US in the early 2000s. This is one I'm sure that everybody will remember. This is one that got kind of uh, swallowed up. By September 11, though, didn't it? It got taken out of the headlines for a while there. Back in the headlines this time 20 years ago. And then was subsequently throughout the headlines for many years afterwards. Uh Uh-huh. But uh, you will remember this one for sure. Yeah. Uh, Russia and the US hashtag collab this time 20 years ago. (laughs) Oh, my, how things have changed. Scary. Yeah. Uh, We said goodbye to three huge TV shows. And album-wise, we had seven releases that collectively probably ended up on our iPods. Like, well, you had the classic, your iPod classic, and my. Oh, I had the shuffle. I was you had pulled. a shuffle. Cheapskate. Oh, I upgraded to the nano because yeah. my shuffle got uh, sweat logged at the gym. Yeah. But yes, they would have ended up on our iPods. I, if, if my classic could connect to the internet, I'd still be using it. I love my iPod classic. It's a beautiful piece of hardware. <laughs> I also have a retraction to make. What? Yes. Well, you're not going to do it straight out the gates. You've no. got to bury it somewhere it's down It's got to be the, buried right down the end of entertainment. The, it's an entertainment pages. retraction, so oh, we'll, we'll, no, we'll hide it. At least do it in the appropriate segment. Hide That's it in fine. amongst some TV shows or something. <laughs> hey, in the present this week, don't forget on the weekend, If I mean, this comes out on the Thursday. I think it's on the weekend. What is it, Saturday or Sunday? God, I should Saturday. get that right. Don't forget to Saturday? go. If you're in Australia, don't forget to vote. Don't t- forget to to exercise your democratic right. Well, it's not really a right because it's compulsory in Australia. Yeah, if you don't do it, you get fined. <laughs> <laughs> and pick up your democracy sausage while you're there. Is the democracy sausage a better sausage than the bunning sausage? It's on par with. I think you anything, anything that's made by a Rotarian, Alliance Club or a Parents and Friends Association tastes yes. pretty good. Uh, and that's the true. thing is, though, I'm more of a fan of – I don't like the idea post-COVID of having to line up for anything mm. and just be amongst people. I know that's probably – it's just a hangover from yeah. COVID. I don't know that I should be entirely worried about it. I mean, you go down to the local school, you stand outside. Aside from the fact that where we live, it's pretty cold early in the morning yes. around May, so we kind of freeze if we get up early to go and – Get our democracy sausage, but I guess there's that there is that democracy. You can chuck it in your pocket. The benefit of COVID times as well is that you get to keep the pen that you vote with. Do you? Because remember they used to have a pencil attached to a string? Yeah. Now you get the pen and you get to keep it because they don't they want your germs. Just back have on a pen. volunteer pen washing. 
No, you get to keep the pen. It brings out the best in the volunteers. Volunteers just bring out the best in everyone, I reckon. Look, and let me say, I'm not downplaying anything that volunteers do. Very crucial role Mm. and very important role. And a lot of people that volunteer for stuff are awesome people. And then there's a lot of people that volunteer for stuff that just like to be in charge of things. Do you know what I mean? They just like to be overlords. It's the long-term volunteer. Well, yeah. I've been volunteering at this particular polling booth for the last 20 years and we'll, we're a team, but we'll do things my way. <laughs> There's always an overlord in the volunteer ranks. Do you know what I mean? Well, somebody's got to be in charge, right? Right, yes. Somebody's well, got to tell all the other volunteers what to do. I guess. Keep I, them all I don't. I, and even check. though it's an election, I don't know that there's such a democratic process when picking who's in charge of the volunteers, I feel like it's just whoever the alpha in the room is. <laughs> Usually in high vis. Yeah, Easy potentially, to spot. potentially, yeah. or maybe they're the ones that just hold the tongs on the democracy sausage barbecue. <laughs> Who knows? I have a really important decision to make. I think more important actually than exercising my. Democratic then who's going to run the country for the next few years? Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Should I purchase? A secondhand leopard print Von Dutch hat off Etsy, or should I go to the physio and get this pinched nerve in my neck looked at? Because at the moment I can't turn my head more than about forty-five degrees. Um, well, there's a okay. <laughs> I feel I feel like these are very unrelated things. Can you do both? Like, why not do both? <laughs> no, because they cost about the same. Is, oh, is that the why the physio costs the same as the secondhand Von Dutch? I'd still. I found a really nice leopard print one from early two thousands. Well, the pain in the so neck nice. is going to remain, whereas the Von Dutch hat may get scooped. How many have they got left? Is it like only second one hand. left? Well, it's, it's second hand. Second hand. Well, it's one of a kind. So then there's the second hand kind of angle as well. Could have nits. Oh, you can fix that. You just delouse it or do whatever <laughs> you need to. Spray it with whatever you put a flea bomb in there, but. <laughs> Your pain in the neck will le- will stay. That'll be around for a while. The Von Dutch hat may not. So how I, easy, how easy is it to pinch a nerve in your neck when you get older? Oh, all you got to do is look at your watch. I was checking blind spots. <laughs> not even my blind spot. I was checking your blind spot when we were driving. Well, that's you need to just stay off my back when I drive. <laughs> I, ad- admittedly, I I'm probably I'm actually spot. glad that you kind of look out for me because I'm easily distracted. <laughs> I'd probably pinch my neck, nerve in my neck, looking at something in the opposite direction to where I should have been driving, <laughs> which is why you had to check my blind spot. So it takes a team. It does. Yeah. It does. So um, that's that's my big decision to make this week. I'd get, forget, I'd, forget running the country. I'd get the, the hat or the neck muscle, the like neck I meat. Said, the, you, can, you can tend to your neck over time. Mm. The Von Dutch hat is not going to be there forever. And you never know. It might just make you feel good enough that you'll forget about the pinch nerve in the neck. Possibly. I did see a great tweet the other week around your neck. Mm. Uh, Ashley Nicole said, one of the cool things they don't tell you about your 30s, well, Ashley Nicole, 30s onwards, yep. is you can hurt your neck by turning to look at something, which is wild because that is neck's main job. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Nick. You've let the team down. You've, you've let the team down and now I've got to consider whether or not I buy a Von Dutch hat all because my, of you. My neck is stuffed. Like <laughs> I used to go to concerts and just be in the front row thrashing my head you around. You should have some pretty solid neck muscles actually. Gay abandon. Um, 
Yeah. Look, no. Oh, maybe I did, but no, not now. Mm. And um, yeah, it's I just can't do that sort of stuff anymore without some pretty severe pain to my vertebrae. <laughs> it's a wonder I didn't do some long term damage, and maybe I have, which is why I just can't do it anymore. I kind of have to headbang from the waist now. <laughs> it's a so, whole body yeah. movement. So I just look like uh, I'm being a really respectful Japanese person throughout the entire gig. <laughs> domorigato, domorigato, domorigato. That's that's what I'm doing. Just bowing to people all the time. Oh, dear. Much respect, however, to your movie knowledge oh, so far. I'm glad so you recognised it. Yeah, appreciate it. Mm, this mm. is where you take your headphones off? Of course, and play, play the clue. The well, let's do it. Hopefully this one worked. I think I sent this to you about 17 times. Well, no, haven't and heard it. it. No, it kept. Uh, you kept getting the same file from weeks ago. All I know is it just kept saying it had the same title as the last one. But this last one, this one now is called Movie Clue That Will Work. So yes. let's pray. Must be the correct one. Headphones are off. Locked and loaded. Firing when ready. Go. Hey, Marty, I like your new coloring. It works for you. You did this? Yep, and it can end any time. Oh, it's done. Headphones back on. Oh, thank you. I do love the music playing in the background. Oh, there's background music. background music, which may... Actually, give you a bit of a clue. Any kind of song that I would recognise? Oh, yes. Really? Yes. Oh. 2001, for sure. A, t- a, a tune from 2001 yeah. or a film from 2001? Uh, I don't know. The film is, uh, no, I think the film's 2002. The tune is definitely 2001. Uh, that's enough. You will know it. But I, I, yeah, it might, ooh, might actually give it away. I have extracted enough information you have. for now. No more questions. I'm not taking any more questions. Perhaps a comment, but no more questions. <laughs> I'm loving how jam-packed the music segment is this week. It's an extravaganza, isn't it? It is. And normally, well, it's good because it's jam-packed with some stuff that I actually like, which is, <laughs> is a, not a pleasant surprise. We often get like, it just seems that the, the world of hard rock and heavy metal turns a little bit slower and marches to the beat of its own double kick drum as opposed to <laughs> pop music that's just like ints, 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 week in, week out, week in, week out, week in, week out all the time. Jeffrey Akins. <laughs> We just made a song. Yeah, that's somebody. A good song. Somebody go and remix that and stick it up on the socials. Yes, one please. of our. I don't know that we've got listeners that are that tech savvy. They're all you know Gen Xers like us. <laughs> they can put it on an iPod. Sure. Uh, still Classic. foolish by Ashanti number one in the US. That's probably getting close to some sort of record. It has been a hot minute. I like that you call her Ashanti again now. Yeah, I think that. Fat Joe might have just been a little bit dramatic when he well, said Ashante. I think he was just, yeah, it was just for the song. I just, I think it might be Ashanti. As an Australian, that's th- it's probably more Ashanti then. Well, no, that's because that's a, like that's a song that pirates sing. But when you do Ashante, it just it's just kind well, of that's got that. How Fat Joe said it, and I thought he'd know. What is Fat Joe sounds like Kath and Kim. <laughs> But I thought he'd know because they were in a song together. It's so fine. he should have her name correct. I'm glad that you've moved on from it. Yeah. So I've gone back to Ashanti. Yeah. So moving Ashanti. on from her because we've already talked about her That's being enough. number one in the US. That's yeah. enough. We have a new number one in Australia. Yeah. Underneath your clothes, Shakira, Shakira. Underneath your clothes, there's an endless story. Things I deserve for being such a good girl, honey. 
Underneath your clothes. I Some feel, breasts that are small and humble. I was going to say, I feel like that was inspired by a cat in a laundry basket. Because <laughs> <laughs> he talks about being a good girl as well. <laughs> that got compared. And now that I'm listening after reading it, I do understand. That got compared to uh, Bangles, Eternal Flame. Wow, really? Yeah, mm. I could hear that yeah, in there. Not a enough, bit. not enough for like an Oasis sort of stereo. No, no style. song comparison. She wasn't ripping anyone off, but yeah. there was there was Bangles vibes there, mm. wasn't there? Mm-hmm. So this is the second English language single from her album Laundry Service. So wherever, whenever, whenever, wherever, whatever. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one after that. Yeah, sure. uh, tells the story of the unconditional love that a woman has for her boyfriend. This one topped the charts in seven countries. It's about a cat and its owner. It's the unconditional love that a cat has with its owner. <laughs> well, cat cat love is conditional. It's like. But why is the cat underneath the. Cl- oh, in the laundry in the basket. Laundry basket. Okay, right. Just right. hanging out. Yeah. Molting. <laughs> Got to wash your clothes again now, you, you son of a bitch, and get me some food. The video clip for it was directed by fashion photographer Herb Ritz. Remember that name? Yeah. He yeah. photographed Madonna, Britney, Michael Jackson. He was the go-to photographer for celebs early 2000s. Yeah. Slash Courtney Love, David Bowie. Yeah, one of also, the big itses. Uh, there was like Anne Leibovitz and Herb Ritz. Herb Ritz yeah. did a few nudes as well. Naomi yep. Campbell, Cindy Crawford, Christy Turlington. Yeah. And a very famous photo of those supermodels clothed, P.S. Yeah. For Rolling Stone magazine in 1989, I think it was. It was a massive cover. And if you saw it, you'd know it. Who was that? Cindy Crawford. Cindy Crawford, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that guy. So he did Shakira's video clip. Yeah, wow. Cool. Mm. She just got – she still is huge, Shakira. She has some – she has a very solid fan base. Very she loyal. Does. Yes, yeah. and can fight off the wild boars, as well, we found out last year. Yeah, that's right. We talked year. about that, how she had a – what was the – Stole her purse. Yeah, did they break into a hotel room? No, she was walking just down the street. And she was ambushed by wild boars. Yeah, and they took her purse and she got it back. Yeah. So good on her. Yeah, that's it. And then she killed a couple of them, um, <laughs> set up a fire, put them on a spit and had a beautiful slow-cooked pork roast. <laughs> no, Delicious, she didn't. crackling. She did mm, not. Wild boar, bit gamey, but good. <laughs> New number one in the UK as well, Liberty X. So I remember that now. That was not the song. So, that was not the thong. I that was not was, the thong song. No, the thong I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Just a little yeah. Liberty X, aka the pop stars losers. Oh, really? They were the. Five- Isn't that interesting? Because that song, yes. like as much as I'm not a pop aficionado by any means, you know it, which I'm kind of proud of. I know that probably more so than I do any other pop stars song like they were all kind of forgettable yes and i'm not saying that that well i guess it wasn't as forgettable because i remembered the tune i had no mm. idea who it was Great i thought tune. it was going to be that ooh, ah, just a little bit ooh, ah, oh a little gina bit more. g yeah well i was no, just that reading was the show notes. yeah sorry these were the five finalists from the uk pop stars who didn't make it into hearsay remember hearsay we talked about them last year yeah. No. See? <laughs> I wasn't uh-huh. <laughs> And clearly did a lot better than hearsay. 
They, Liberty X originally consisted of Michelle, Tony, Kevin, Jessica and Kelly. Yeah. They were originally called Liberty for the release of their first two singles, uh-huh. but then they found another act, R&B, already using the name Liberty. Yeah. So then Liberty Number 2, which I, I think this is really dumb, Liberty Number 2 then took legal action against Liberty Number 1. I'm sorry, but if you're using the name first under trademark law, you can't then go and be the number two and tell the number one they can't use it. No, right? Yeah. Number two can't tell number one anything. But but there's a poo and wee joke there that I won't go into. But anyway, <laughs> but how can you own copyright or trademark a word? Well, I don't think I don't know that it was necessarily trademarked. Yeah. In that way. But they took them to court over it. But you can't do that. Like it's, but liberty is a word. I mean, if you if you, you can trademark a word in terms of a business name, like as a like Apple. Yeah. Apple is a word, but it's also a trademark. So they've trademarked it. Okay. They can't sue Apple the fruit. No, that makes sense. But they sense. could sue you if you decide to make a product and call yeah. it Apple. Yeah, wouldn't that that'd be a world gone mad? Wouldn't it be like you can no longer call that Apple an Apple because Apple own Apple. You well, now, don't give them any ideas. You need to now call that occasionally tart green or red round thing. <laughs> We've anyway. got occasionally tart green or red round things at two ninety nine a kilo. Yeah, that'd suck if you're a spruker, wouldn't it? <sighs> yeah. So Liberty Number Two lost against Liberty Number One. Right. So they then asked readers of the Sun to suggest a new name for them. Geez, that's a good idea. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> readers of The Sun, you're well, so highbrow. I mean, Give us a new name. Look, they they went on a televised competition where, where viewers were going to vote who was going to be in the band anyway. Okay, so, good point. So why not, why not just continue? It seemed to work for them. Well, readers of The Sun just came up bit. with the winning name of X Liberty. I like it. But then they flipped out, danged and reversed it and it became Liberty X. And I like that even better. It's got a nice ring to it, Liberty X. Liberty number two could have been yeah. right. Liberty X. So it's just edgy. a little. You throw an X in something and it's edgy. <laughs> edgy. Yeah, because remember, this is the time where you had like uh, the Fast and the Furious spin-off, like the Triple X movies oh. and the X games. Whenever you chuck an X on something, though, I feel like there's going to be nudes. Really? I feel it's. I feel adult, too adult. I feel like it's going to be separated from someone and you just, oh. yeah, and they're going to take <laughs> half of everything you own. Maybe that's what they did to Liberty Number One. So yeah, they tried. They, they failed. They became Liberty X, and then this was the first single they released under Liberty X. But actually, their third single from their album, "Thinking It Over." Oh well, "Thinking It Over." That's what they should have done <laughs> instead of throwing it out to the audience to pick the band name. <laughs> they did become more successful than Hearsay. The single reached the top ten in Australia, Ireland, the Netherlands, and New Zealand. Good for them. They disbanded, however, in 2007. They reformed a year later for a one-off appearance and they officially reformed in 2012 for a documentary along with five, Atomic Kitten, Bewitched and Honey. Oh, God. I'm in hell. They've also (laughs) appeared on various uh, reality shows over the years. So not all of them, just various members. Right, of course. Uh, Big Brother, Come Dine With Me, Dancing on Ice. Uh Dancing on Ice? Dancing on Ice. Gee whiz. 
Not dancing with the stars. Talk and about not fall skating from on grace. Ice. Dancing on ice. Dancing on ice. So are they dancing? Are they wearing ice skates when they're dancing? Or are they I just know, like sliding I, around in their sneakers? I, I feel don't like, know. I feel like if they're dancing on ice, they're probably talking to themselves or and scratching invisible spiders <laughs> off their body. <laughs> <laughs> and it's oh. going to take a lot of cops to take them down. <laughs> I'm getting off that dance floor. Yeah. And Michelle from the group is actually besties with Katie Price, a.k.a. Jordan. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, that's good. I never knew she had any friends, so that's good. Over to album releases now. I think you will prefer this to Liberty Number 2. Yeah, I love this band. 21st of May. Love this band. Uh, They were probably, I will call them the kings of, I guess, Metalcore. I hated how they have so many genres. Though. So is metalcore hardcore metal? Is that what the know. core means? I think it's like it's got a bit of screaming and it's got a bit of melodic singing in it as well. Screamo? Heavy. Is it close to screamo? No, it's kind of in touch with its feelings though. Mm. Um, yeah, I just I don't like the idea of genres with metal because I get confused. I'm straight up. I'm like, good if it's like you know thrash, uh, glam, glam, you know. Heavy, what? It's all just rock and roll, isn't it? Really, you know that's what Lemmy from Motorhead would say. It's all just rock and roll. Anyway, this band, Kill Switch Engage, released. I, I'd say that this was their breakthrough album for them. This is what made them uh, very popular, but it wasn't the one that sort of pushed them right through the ceiling. They mm. they had an album after this one. This album, though, Alive or Just Breathing, is a fantastic album that I still listen to to this day. Here's one of the tracks off it. <laughs> Goodness me, that is so compressed, that audio. Yeah, great song. Yeah, that was Fixation on the Darkness. They have a bit of a theme and the theme is pretty much just darkness. Uh, (laughs) This was their second studio album, this one, okay, Mm. Uh, and it was released on May 21st through Roadrunner, who were releasing everything basically at the time that was worth sort of taking note of. Like anyone who was anyone in metal was listening to Roadrunner at the time or or signed to it as well. Uh, It was their first album on Roadrunner though. And it was produced by the drummer and guitarist at the time, Adam Dutkowitz. And Adam, let's just Adam have D. a moment for Adam. He is amazing. Yeah, he is just, he is a genius. He's a great yes. producer. He's a fabulous guitarist. And didn't he switch up instruments sort of partway through in the band? He's this like, was the most no, amazing now I'm going to go and do something else. And, and look, the band was all the, all the better for it. So he's a very meticulous producer. There's some mm. documentaries I've seen of them where they're in the studio, right, and the guys are playing and he's at the control desk and they'll do a bit or a fill on the guitar or a vocal part and they'll look over out of the booth at him at the desk and he'll just be on the mic and he'll click the button down and he'll just go, Nope. <laughs> just make him do it again. Like he's he's that kind of guy. Yeah. He can be quite irritating, but that's, <laughs> but he's also a perfectionist, and that's why they sound as good as what they do. They're tight. But yeah. um, so he 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 got off the drum kit and decided that he was gonna actually just play the guitar, and that was even better Amazing. because he would do he he. If you've seen him on stage, he's hilarious. He wears Daisy Dukes. He's quite the showman. Has like this big Karate Kid style headband on usually (laughs) and just 
jogs around the stage. He runs around the stage like he's doing aerobics when he plays. <laughs> and he makes his playing is so effortless. Like he's just having a good time. I've seen him do things where he'll run up to the bar with his wireless guitar thing through the crowd and order a drink at the bar. <laughs> like he did it at the pub across the road from one of the venues he was doing. So he went across the road with the wireless kid on playing the guitar, ordered a oh, beer dear. and then came back in. He's crazy. Anyway, Great album. Lyrics for this album written by vocalist Jesse Leach. Now, this was going to be Jesse's last appearance with the band for Mm. some time. He left because he was having problems with his voice, but he was also quite depressed. I think that it was affecting his relationships outside of the band, and he didn't really like touring. They were all quite young at the time. Mm. Jesse is an amazing singer, but he had no technique at the time. So you hear that melodic stuff and he'd do all that melodic stuff and then he would just scream. And his scream was really like throaty. Mm. So he really used to blow his voice out. And I think once they started getting bigger and on Roadrunner and touring became more relentless, he just couldn't That's back hard. it up. He couldn't yeah. back it up day after day. So he left. Um, and they were then he was replaced by Howard Jones. Now, Howard was in the band for nearly 10 years, yeah. but they remained friends. This is what I like about these guys. They mm. never burn any bridges between any of the guys that have been in the band. So they and then Howard started developing Howard's his own amazing. issues. Howard, well, so and the thing was, is Howard's a black guy. Jesse's a white guy. Howard's voice is huge, mm. like so huge. And we've seen these guys live. Yeah, we saw them with Howard. Yeah. Um, and so Howard comes in for the next album in 2004 called The End of Heartache, which was the album that just pushed that's, them over the that's edge. That's the album that I love that and that's them, the one that I yeah really remember. That turned them into more of a headlining act, mm. I think. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, Howard sat around for 10 years and then Jesse comes back to the band and the band welcome him with open arms and the fans welcome him with open arms and Howard steps aside because Howard's kind of struggling with a few things. But then more recently they've released albums with Howard and Jesse singing together. With both of them. And Howard Amazing. has come up. So Howard and Jesse are really good friends. Oh. It's just a real – they're just all – they just seem like sweet guys and it's a really cool story. And they're so much fun. So we saw them – we saw them at UC, didn't we? And yeah. it was – there would have been about 2000 – I'd say about 2005 or six. Wasn't that a big night? Back in the days when you'd get Smirnoff Blacks in Cannes. Not yeah. a good idea, but and the, we had to work the next. That's day, the thing. The worst remember? thing about Canberra, I think it was was, was it a sound wave from the Soundwave Festival? I think it might have been. It was a Thursday night, and so, I do remember sleeping under my desk. And I feel like it might day. have been a Wednesday, but you could be right. It could have been a oh Thursday. Wednesday or Thursday. I was definitely at work the next day. So Canberra, being not a major metro location, mm. they would often try and and they don't do it anymore because they have mixed results with it. Yeah, but they used to bring the international bands down here on weeknights. <laughs> <laughs> so you just go. Yeah. And, why not? And went we did that night and went hard we did as well. I did so, want to catch Howard when he uh dove off the stage, but I recall you moving me out of the he way. He would have killed you. <laughs> it <laughs> seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> I can remember being quite inebriated up the front for that entire gig, having an absolutely it was so fantastic time. What was the name of the support band? I can't remember. Oh, the ones we met outside. They oh, were lovely too. Yeah. It was well, a really good night. Well, it was a good vibe. Had, Everyone was having a good time. They had a singer. 
singer in that band, but I don't know fun. if you remember talking to him. Oh, named, I do. Yes. Named Tommy Vexed. We had a great chat. Tommy. So Tommy Vexed, uh, you may remember from, I'm just trying to think, hang on. Let me just try and jog my memory here. So Tommy Vexed played in that band with Dino Cazares from Fear Factory. That's right. That was the oh, band he was in there. Yeah, yeah. And they were called Divine Heresy. He also played in a band called... Bad Wolves. What song did Bad Wolves cover recently? See if you can remember. Oh, are you asking me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad Wolves. They covered the Cranberry song, Zombie. Oh. They were those guys. So that was Tommy Vex. So that was the dude that you were having banter with. Yes. He was so lovely. Well, yeah, he was quite polite. uh, He put up with me. Because we were like, g'day, mate. We were just really (laughs) annoying. Anyway. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> what a night. I can remember the next day I was at work at my desk just going, I'm going to die. I was sleeping under my desk. And um, I went out. I had your car. You gave me your car because you walked to work that day. You were working just not far from our house. Yeah, so not drive. my current job, full disclosure. No, or mine either, okay? <laughs> Definitely not. And if you worked with me in that previous job, <laughs> this conversation never happened. So, so I drove your car and it was in summer. Yes. And I'm just like, I'm just going to have to go out because I can't. I'm just going to oh, go Oh, you had a light. nap in the car. Yeah, I had a right. nap in the car, but it was summer. <laughs> I, f- I could have died. I fell asleep in the car. Did you find the windows? I was in like a shirt and tie. Oh, my God. And I, God. I woke up about 30 minutes later, like saturated. And, and then I actually felt surprisingly better because I think I sweated all the toxins <laughs> out of my body. I had this little sweat That's lodge really going bad. on. Yeah, it wasn't ideal. I knew you had a nap, but yeah, now that you explained it in that way, that's terrible. Terrifying. Could have become a casualty that night and day. Well, it was a but good anyway, night. It was a great night. At least you would have gone out having the best night the anyway, night before. Like I said, Kill Switch Engage, uh, fantastic band. I've got one more song of them too with Howard. So you can hear what Howard sounds like in comparison to Jesse. Very different. A lot more soulful, a bit more croony. Really great. Remember they did, I think it was their DVD release, they did a cover of Holy Diver. By Dio, yeah. And remember the video clip? How funny. So excellent. They're all dressed up in medieval costumes. So good. Way before Game of Thrones was cool. (laughs) Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. I'm a huge fan of of Kill Switch Engage. The next band is a glam metal band that you're probably more of a fan of than I. (laughs) Poison. Poison. We had the release of Holly Weird also on the 21st of May 2002. This one was the sixth studio album from Poison. Debuted at number 103 on the Billboard 200 chart. Just under a pass. Just Mm, under 50%. Yeah. And must admit, I probably wasn't really as much of a fan at this point in time. I was into 90s Poison. Well, this was the this was the original lineup though, right? Mm. The first full studio project they've done since Flesh and Blood. Although with Flesh and Blood, I think they had Richie Kotzen playing lead guitar. CC DeVille had come back. Yes. Should have stuck with Richie Kotzen personally, I think. CC DeVille is just a bad guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> Says someone who can't play guitar very well at all, but yeah, just messy. Anyway, yeah, but have a listen to to this track. This is, I think, the the title track from the album, and it it does sound like old school poison. Holly weird. 
It's just a dumb title. <laughs> Holy weird. Yeah, no kidding. They sound a bit out of breath. Mm. They sound a bit gassed, <laughs> a bit tired. The bandana's getting a little bit too sweaty there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it's all right. Oh, it's, it's all right. classic if poison. Like, if you like poison, you you'll love that. If you in the 90s, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're going to love Holly Weird. Also, probably in, in a similar similar style, also released on the 21st of May, Never a Dull Moment, uh, the first solo album yeah. for one Tommy, Tommy Lee. Poor old Tommy. It was his first solo album. But this was he, – he'd done a, a rap metal crossover thing called Methods of Mayhem. Oh, that's right, yes. Which, I I mean, you could almost call that a Tommy Lee. That's probably annoying to the guy Tilo or whatever his name was that was working with him on Methods of Mayhem. But, I mean, who was that guy without Tommy mm. Lee? Mm. Uh, yeah, so he did a solo, solo album with this single, Hold Me Down. So that's Tommy singing too, right? Yes. Yeah. It's not, it's not terrible. Nah, it's not terrible, but I feel like it's him trying to be – it's like it's like if you're a guy who's like 10 years older mm. than a group of young people that you're hanging out with, just trying to stay relevant and cool. Okay, boomer. Yeah. Oh, okay. It does remind me, and you're probably going to hate me for saying this, it does remind me of that song uh, Fall to Pieces by Velvet Revolver. Oh, really? A little bit, yeah. Nah, it's not like, near as good not, as that song. Not as good, but it does remind me of that. Yeah. Funny that you say kind of the, the older guy hanging around the, the younger kids, the... Uh, well, that's what Methods okay, of Boomer. Mayhem definitely was. Well, he's currently married to Brittany Ferlin, and you might remember her. She was the most popular video star on Vine. Remember yeah, when Twitter at, yeah, had okay, yep. the video thing called Vine? Vine, yeah. And she was she was huge. Yeah, she was so like got, comedian, wasn't she? Yeah, they'd been yeah. going steady for a while, still married. Oh, well, so that's well good. done. Good yeah. on them. Well, he's still relevant to her. So, But, I mean, who does Vines anymore? Vine doesn't exist. She does would have it? had to, well, no. She would have. She'd be on TikTok now. Or the YouTube. Yeah. Wow. Well, okay. I don't know. What else has he done over the years? He performed on the Smashing Pumpkins album in 2014. Yep. There was Tommy Lee goes to college. I loved that show. Uh, that was good. That well, was cute. Yeah, it was kind of cute. It's um, I just I don't know. I don't know about Tommy. Like he's he's definitely like a child trapped in a man's body. He is a little bit immature. Yeah. And yeah. what was the Rockstar Supernova? Was that that was was oh. that a reality show or was that just where they put a whole bunch of famous no, people that, together? That in a that was band? a reality show. So the first one they did was with In Excess, remember? Yes. And that didn't go very well. That JD no. Fortune guy won that and it didn't go very well. And then they tried to do it again and he was in a band with Jason Newstead, mm-hmm. uh, who was Voivod and ex Metallica. And That's right. Gilby Clark, who was ex Guns N' Roses, and then Tommy filled it out on the drums, and they were looking for a singer. Mm. Yeah. That's and right. I, that was, it was good to watch. I enjoyed that show because it was like that reality music show, but mm. with, a, with a rock and roll kind of vibe, which was pretty cool. But um, that never went anywhere either. No. Like no. the, uh, what was the one with Sebastian? 
Oh, super group. Savage animal. That was a bit different though, because that was like a basically a big brother house with a whole bunch of established musicians. That was all amazing. To get I along. think we need to go back and watch that again. Well, that had like Sebastian Bach from Skid Row, Evan Seinfeld from Biohazard. Scott Ian in it. Scott Ian from yeah. Anthrax was in it. Oh, um, the gun shooting yeah, one. Well, uh, and then they had Jason Bonham, who was John Bonham's son on the drums, yes. who was a nice guy. And then they had freaking Ted Nugent. <laughs> yes, that guy. Who, and if you like Google that guy, Google Ted wow. Nugent, like the most right wing <laughs> racist redneck guy on the face of the earth, like just, and, and has a lot to say about everything and, and probably shouldn't be listened to really. Uh, he's mad. The Motor City Madman, they call him. <laughs> Ted Nugent. But then didn't he kind of sort of become the support person for Sebastian at one point? Wasn't he like the uh, father yeah, figure? Yeah, he became like a father figure for Sebastian. It's just a mess. It's a we need to mess. watch that again, definitely. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Great it show. It was pretty fun. Anyway, let's stay on the hard rock heavy metal theme with this album by Danzig. Now, most people would know Danzig via The Misfits, mm. which was a very influential horror punk band. And they I can kind of see the T-shirt in my head. Pioneers lots of for a lot of goth stuff. Well, yes. lots. Of, it's funny that you should say that because most people would have come to the Misfits or Danzig through Metallica, who a covered a couple of their songs and b always wore their T-shirts. Specifically, Did they? yeah, James Hetfield, Cliff Burton used to wear Misfits shirts all the time. Mm. Yeah, so that's how people would have come to them. But Danzig himself is great. He's a much more croony style singer mm. like people have referred to him as the heavy metal Elvis and interestingly enough I think last year he released an album of Elvis covers as Glenn Danzig solo but the band Danzig named after Glenn Danzig came out of the ashes of the Misfits well not the ashes of the Misfits because he just left the Misfits the Misfits kept going but Danzig was no longer in the Misfits and the Misfits were kind of worse for not having Danzig in the Misfits anyway we get to his seventh album now Mm-hmm. In uh, on the twenty first of May, I Luciferi. Has that got something to do with Satan? Of course it does. It's heavy. That metal. sounds like a spicy Satan. I Luciferi. Luciferi. Yeah. yeah, exotic yeah. Satan with an Italian twist. Mm. Mm. I Luciferi with a nice Chianti. <laughs> Uh, he said that this was the last in a series of seven numbered albums, each with its own general concept. Here's the title track. Don't mind Paprika Satan. Don't mind Paprika Satan. <laughs> I quite like that song. A little bit of Beckhamal sauce. Mm. Yeah, look, I don't mind Danzig. I didn't like this album as much as some of his earlier releases, I have to say, but it wasn't terrible. I think this is the one where he had the freaky black gloves. He was wearing the black gloves. He was I the- did see that when I was getting the song. Yes, did- they looked like... Claws. Didn't mind a, a, a bit of a horror concept style mm. album. He's he's big into horror. He's big into comic books. He writes like a lot of his own comic books. You know, a lot of people thought that Danzig would have been great as Wolverine. Yeah, he was a big fan of the X Men comics. He would have been great Had as the claw gloves. Had the claw gloves. Oh, Maybe that's why go. the gloves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the sideburns. Yeah, yes. he's very much a, a Weapon X. Now he kind of looks a bit like old man Logan, uh, you know. 
So, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, things kind of fell apart over the months following the tour for this album because each of the band members left to pursue their other side projects. Now, they had a guy in the band playing drums called Joey Castillo who went and ended up playing for Queens of the Stone Age. Mm. But, look, he's been around for a while. The Misfits came back, did a reunion. Like I said, he did the Elvis covers. Danzig, the band, got back together. There's one song that I really love. Of, of Danzig's. Yes. Oh, that would be that would be. This classic tune. Mother, tell your children not to walk my way. Tell your children not to hear my words. What they mean, what they say. Mother, mother. You can hear the the crooner oh, there. That's my favorite. I, what I what I love that is probably one of my favorite Danzig songs, which is Same. a bit of a cop out because it's the single. I stayed up all night trying to get through that on Guitar Hero. <laughs> it took so long. It was not a, it was harder than what I thought. It's not a hard song to play on the actual guitar. On the Guitar Hero it's it is. Great, great it's, song. It's a pretty great song. Uh, what I like about that song is is the lyrical content is fantastic mm. because it's all about. The energy drink? It's No, it's oh. not about the energy drink, <laughs> although he probably could have sued them, much True. like Liberty X. <laughs> Uh, so it's it's about the relationship between kids and music and parents. Ah. And that's why I love it because it's like, you know, father, I'm going to take your daughter out tonight. I'm going to show her my world. Uh, you know, uh, if you want to find hell with me, I can show you what it's like, blah, blah, blah. It's it's a great song, though, and it's really mm. cool. And you can hear that crooning. I love his voice. Yes. He's just he's, – he's a point of difference, you know. Yeah. He's not doing – everything the same way that a lot of the other singers were doing at the time and that's what I really liked about him and that's what I always liked about him in The Misfits as well. He's excellent and you really should if you like a bit of hard rock and Mm. you like a bit of heavy metal because I'd say Danzig's more kind of rock and roll, right? Yeah, yeah. Get into the first couple of albums that he did. The first two or three albums that Danzig did are great, so good. I mean he had a guitar player at the time called John Christ. (laughs) <laughs> and then he does a Satan album. That's quite the contrast. Well, John Christ isn't it? wasn't playing guitar by then. He, oh, okay. probably, he was probably sick of Glenn's garbage and left. Glenn, <laughs> Glenn Danzig, uh, the person, is not the most likable guy. He's a bit hard to get along with. Oh, is he? Yeah. Doesn't play nice. Yeah, there's a really interesting viral video of him backstage with another band. I think, what were they called? The Northside Kings? I don't know if it was Northside Kings. Maybe it was the Northside Kings. Hang on one sec. Yeah, no, it was the Northside Kings. So there's this footage of him having an altercation backstage. And the dude from the Northside Kings, Danzig's a big guy too. One of the prerequisites for being in Danzig's band is you probably had to bodybuild for a couple of hours a day. Mm. Like they all kind of look like a cross between rockers and pro wrestlers. So he's back. But Danzig's really short too, which is, again, why he would have done a good job at playing Wolverine because he's only like, you know, five foot nothing. I don't know yes. if he's that short. And I don't I, I love the guy and I'd be horrified if he ever heard me talking about him like this. So he, What are they fighting about? I, it's something to do backstage. I don't know, but somebody had a camera on him and he was like, F you to the singer from the Northside Kings or one of the, I don't know if he was the singer, one of the guys from the Northside mm. Kings, big guy towering over him, shoves him. The guy hits him with one punch. Danzig hits the deck. He knocked goes him out. Down. Well, he <gasps> says, well, the, according to the footage, yeah, like he got up pretty quick. And it became a bit of an urban myth. It was one of those viral videos that he'll never live down. But all of that aside, just get into the first two or three albums and you won't go wrong. 
Yeah. Glenn Danzig, I oh, looks a fairy. It's all right. Just not as good as the first three albums, I reckon. But maybe, I, see, I hate that now because I sound like one of those guys. <laughs> I was a fan of him. Mate. I liked them before they were popular. No, couldn't hold a candle to the first two demos of the Misfits before they got famous. <laughs> I had their mixtape. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, can we, let's go on to a heavy metal legend, probably a cut above Danzig, mm. uh, Ronnie James Dio. His ninth studio album comes out. Same day, Killing the Dragon. Why not? That's a very heavy metal title. So what, Cisco unleashes the dragon and then Dio, Dio kills, kills it. Dio kills it because Dio can. He's got the power of heavy metal. <laughs> We've told our story about Dio, have we? Oh, we have, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes, and it's the not, Brown Sabbath. Well, that was when he was in Black Sabbath. So this is his ninth album by his band named after him, much like Danzig named mm. his band after him because when you got that cred, that's what you can afford to do. <laughs> it was produced by Dio as well, singer-producer. Busy. Dio's got a bit of an ego, but he's got everything to back it up, and he is very famous, or he was very famous because he's since passed away, for being a notoriously nice man. Just a really I like that. nice I guy. I like stories like that. Uh, and he's just one of the great voices in heavy metal. Mm. Like you'd go Rob Halford, Judas Priest, Bruce Dickinson, Iron Maiden, Ronnie James Dio, and you could toss up between the three as to who's the top singer on any given day. And there's probably a couple of other singers that I've missed there that people will be ridiculously offended about because that's what happens with heavy metal fans. But anyway, this album, like I said, ninth album, he had a a song on this called Push and the film clip featured Tenacious D because Tenacious D used to take the piss out of Dio a little bit and talk about him being too old to rock and had a song on their album called Dio. Yeah. And it was like, you're too old to rock. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's no more rocking for you. We're taking Aww. you to a home where we'll sing a, a song about you and make sure you're really very well taken care of. And they were basically saying Dio must give his cape and scepter to us so that we can take <laughs> up the mantle of being the heaviest rockers. But and but that, behind the scenes, they were all good friends. And so they were in the film clip at the start and they did oh, this, nice. this random cover. They were like busking and they did this cover of Heaven and Hell, which was a Black Sabbath song that Dio sung with Black Sabbath. And that was the start of the push video. And this is a bit of push. I love a bit of Dio. You can't go wrong. Any of his songs, any of his releases, just get amongst it. He's one of the kings. And having Tenacious D as well. Well, love yeah. Love that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tenacious D, yeah, he had Tenacious D. It wasn't the other way around. Yes. And they would even recognise that. Yeah. They are, as much as they sort of took the mickey out of the guy, they were very reverential. Yeah. Uh-huh. This was such a big week back in 2002 oh, for ridiculous. album releases yeah, because yeah. this one as well, these are all released on the 21st of May. Yeah. So you would have been broke this week. Well, yeah, too. I mean, there's <laughs> there's definitely, I wouldn't have bought Holly Weird. I would have bought Kill Switch Engage Alive with Just Breathing. Oh, actually, I probably would have bought three albums. Yeah. So that's, well, that's 90 bucks back in the day. <laughs> Three CDs is 90 bucks. So would, yeah, you have bought, would you have bought this one, Boxcar Racer? Nope. <laughs> the album by the band of the same name, which is the side project of Blink-182 members Tom DeLonge and Travis Barker, yep. along with David Kennedy. Yeah. They were formed in 2001 
And yep. I guess to set the scene, this is Blink-182 take-off-your-pants-and-jacket days. Are they so pe- a lot they're of, pretty big by now, right? Yes, and there yeah. was a lot of, you know, male anatomy jokes Lots of innuendo. They were happening just dirty, at this point. Dirty little boys. Like, we're yeah, so rude. I think, Do you get what our album's called? Ha ha, so I, rude. I think that's why I didn't like them. And they would have quite willingly taken the mickey out of bands like Dio and Iron Maiden and stuff oh, like that. Oh, for sure. Because they are very much at the other end of the spectrum. And and for me, they played their instruments really badly. Like they just were sloppy live performers. But it wasn't yeah. about it wasn't about being tight and being a master of your instrument. It was about having fun and making rude jokes. And they were so commercial, weren't they? They were yeah. so huge early 2000s. And, look, I'm not dissing them now. Like, I, I get it. Mm. I get it now. Like, mm. I get it. It's it, Why not play music and have a good time? Like, heaven forbid you have fun playing music. Go for your life, dudes. Like, yeah. whatever. Yeah, so we're talking peak Blink-182. But Tom was looking to pursue some darker ideas which weren't really part of the MO for Blink-182. It's kind of like, no, you're a bit too too serious, Tom. They did go a bit darker a couple of years later, though. They did, and and possibly this is why. Well, they released an album, I think, in 2004 of Blink-182s that I absolutely love. Yes, and I I wonder if this had some effect. So Tom decides that he wants to pursue this kind of darker side that he's keen to do. The band, I think they were on a break from touring. They weren't on a break as the band. They just had stopped touring at this point for a little while. So he thought, you know, perfect time to kick off this side project. He was too tight to pay for a drummer, so he brought Travis over. Yeah. But caused massive tensions with Mark because Mark wasn't invited well, to be Hoppus part of the. Mark Hoppus didn't even get a look. Sorry, in. So you're he not felt invited. Like they went his you're back. not part of the gang, and that is exactly how how he felt. Two's company, three's a crowd, right? Yeah. When you're a three piece, that's a problem. Yeah, it it is a little bit orkies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they recorded over six weeks, starting in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2001, and then released the album this time 20 years ago. Yeah. So Tom was concerned that if he brought Mark into the fold, it would turn into just another Blink-182 album, and he wanted to do something different. Yeah. Um, and like I said, he, he included Wanted Travis. to spread his musical wings. He, he felt like he's outgrown his friend. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really sad friendship breakup story, isn't it, in a way? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So they, they toured yeah. as Boxcar Racer. The album debuted at number 12 on the Billboard 200. A lot of people say, though, that was really due to Blink's popularity at the time. It's like, oh, that's the guy from Blink-182. We're going to buy that Oh, it would have sure. been. Yeah. Um, but the project was then shelved in mid-2003 and Tom's like, meh. It's run its course. What, he gone I'm off done. to chase UFOs at See, that stage? Or? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Well, no, he went back to Blink-182. Well, he, he did. He and his- then this is probably why they did move to that different kind of sound because yeah. this is mid-2003 that they stopped Boxcar Racer. Yeah. Um, so perhaps that's why. Well, you can't be giggling little boys making jokes about your genitals you for your entire life. you got to grow up at some point. Right, yeah. That's true. That's yeah. true. Well, I guess this is growing up. <laughs> there was unfinished material from Boxcar Racer and it eventually became part of his next band, Angels and Airwaves. Remember them? Yeah. And then there was rumours in 2017 that Boxcar Racer was going to do a comeback. Really? And April last year, Tom confirmed that he and Travis had in fact recorded a song. Well, that's good. Still to come out. Anything to get Travis Barker the hell away from Machine Gun Kelly (laughs) is a good move. Please, Tom, come back. Should we listen to a little bit of Boxcar Oh, yeah, we probably should. All right.
You can definitely hear that does uh, sound echoes like, of that in that new Blink-182 yes. album. With, but that production is hot garbage. Uh, <laughs> that does sound and, like the darker Blink. Yeah, and like six weeks to record that sort of stuff. When you think about like Black Sabbath were able to record their debut album in one week. Oh. Six weeks to record that. Yeah, I'm being harsh. You the are more being studio harsh. time you have, the better. The Six more weeks stu- is not a long time. Well, when they, when you're that sloppy with your instruments, they probably use <laughs> I've had as pimples much time that last longer than that. That's gross. And well, so have Blink 182. They probably write a song about that when they were younger in their less mature days. I'm sure there's probably something about pimples in there. Oh, definitely. Um, you can definitely hear. That sound moving into. I'm so sorry. Oh, look. What was okay. that song? Oh, I can't. I uh, miss you, it was called. Yes. That's on what that it album in 2004. Mm. But like, Tom DeLong does absolutely have one of the most distinct and recognizable voices in yeah. music, uh, for better or worse. I don't know. He's not an amazing singer, but he has a really it's recognizable voice. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I guess like that's kind of the stepping stone to what was, I think, probably their best album as Blink-182. Mm. But I didn't like any of that other really silly stuff that they did, mm. you know, yeah. like Enema of the State. Oh, that's ha-ha. right. And they had the wacky video clips. That, that was around the time of the Bloodhound Blood Gang too. Remember them? Yeah. They were a bit silly. Yeah, well, they, they? but they were deliberately silly. Yeah. Also a Blink-182. Yeah. What am I saying? There was a lot of silliness. Yeah. But you know what? <laughs> Like, why not? Why not? There's room for everything in music, isn't there? And it wasn't It wasn't a terrible album. You know the problem with going – because when we started the podcast, I was always like, oh, well, you know, I used to hate on people's music and life's too short for hating on other people's music and all that well, stuff. We've come full circle. But, yeah, yeah, you're because, hating on it again. Because we're going back 20 <laughs> years ago and I'm getting back into that headspace of, oh, I hated that at the time and here's why. But I don't necessarily now, I have to say. Like, that's fine. Boxcar race. I'd probably give that a spin. Yeah. yeah. On the old turntable. Maybe the Spotify playlist. I couldn't buy it on Apple I would music. not fork out to buy that on vinyl. Yeah, I'd have no, to just do, get do it on the Apple. digital thing. Try before I buy. Vinyl's expensive. <laughs> it is way too expensive. Yeah, it's like, that'd be probably 60 bucks for that LP. Ridiculous. Anyway. uh, Moving on to the next day, we had some pretty serious news on the 22nd of May 2002. This was a shocker. So I remember Mm. being on air when this happened or being on the radio and hearing this news because we'd had them on the radio and interviewed them previously when they they put out Smooth Criminal. I was producing at the time. Is that where you got the shirt because you interviewed them? No, it's just a They give you a shirt. But, like, they were – the record company were pushing them really hard. So we Mm. got this interview with them just as Smooth Criminal came out and – kind of before they took off. And they were nice guys to talk to. The Obviously singer, talking about Alien Ant Farm. Yeah, Alien Ant Farm. Not the Michael singer, Jackson. The singer Dryden Mitchell was a really nice guy. Uh, Tyson Moore, the bass player, a really nice guy as well. But they had the big bus crash uh, when they were touring in Spain and it killed the driver. It was mm. they, they were driving along and there was a truck parked on the side of the road and apparently the driver may have reached around to get like a bag of chips or something and he wasn't paying attention for a split oh. second and he hit this, he swerved and he hit this this truck that was kind of half on, half off the road, mm. and it killed him pretty much instantly and made a huge mess of the band who all sustained like lots of – it was like broken legs and stuff like Back that. Back injuries, I Back think. Because in, they were asleep broken in their ankle. bunks. Now, I'd previously said that Dryden was asleep in in, in his bunk mm. and because he broke his neck. Right. Ugh, he was paralysed for a while. He was in big trouble. He had a halo and everything and had the bolts in his head and everything, but he wasn't. And here's what he said happened to him. A lot of the guys were in their bunks, so there was a lot of broken ankles and legs. Um, I was in the back lounge playing guitar, and, yeah, I just got slammed to the ground, and I remember I was, like, 
completely paralyzed. I couldn't even blink my eyes. And but I was fully conscious and I remember thinking these weird thoughts like first thought was like why is it raining on the bus because the whole roof had ripped open and it was pouring rain oh my god and then i had thought well why can't i move anything not even my eyelids and then i kind of knew i said oh man it was weird how like calm i got too i just thought wow it's that easy to get paralyzed i knew i was paralyzed <gasps> yeah oh my he gosh. broke i didn't know that that paralyzed him it, wow. it, well he, he temporarily yeah, he yeah. broke a his neck like quite high up so it's it is a small miracle mm. that he was actually able to uh walk and do all that sort of stuff he, he also like he goes on in that particular interview which you can find online um to say that he didn't really suffer any kind of PTSD from that crash lord knows how i mean yeah. that when i like i think i've said it before when i was roadieing and touring with the band one of my biggest fears was having an accident mm. in a car because you just did so much driving and you did so much driving when you're tired. And, like, mm. I guess for them they probably took it a bit for granted because by this stage they're not driving themselves. They had a driver. They've yeah. got a bus driver who's yeah. a professional driver who's paid to do it. But the thing is is you don't know what that guy's done over the course of his day before he's clocked on for his big long driving shift. Yeah. You know, and the guy split second goes to grab a bag of chips or something and ends up smooshed in the back of a truck, killed instantly. It's yeah. extremely I think their, their head of security also suffered some pretty serious injuries, including yep. multiple skull and facial fractures. I yep. think they had to be airlifted mm. as well to, um, in, like, in, in a critical condition. Yeah, uh, but pulled pulled through, thank goodness. And they were touring, so they were touring anthology. Yeah, this was stage, their breakthrough so that tour. Was, that, yeah, that was the Smooth Criminal album. Yeah, yeah. So they had a like a lot of momentum, so, and they yeah, were working right really hard. The the and, height, yeah. and I feel like. It, it definitely set them back. Like, yeah, because I was supposed to play at a festival as well. So it was their tour, but there was also some festival appearances, which they obviously had to pull out of. I still really rate them. I don't know. I just I do like them I, too, I have no yeah. problem with saying that I think Alien Ant Farm are a good <laughs> band in spite of Smooth Criminal. Smooth Criminal is probably one of the weaker tracks that they've done. I almost hate the fact that that was the thing that broke them. Because What's your favourite of their tracks? I really like movies. Yeah. From that album anthology, yep. but there's some really good songs on the album True Ant as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely worth uh, checking out some deeper cuts of Alien Ant Farm. Yeah, but that bus crash was horrific, terrible. Mm. I mean, it's just everyone's worth it. Imagine, yeah, I, imagine being woken from your sleep by a car accident. You know you see all those practical joke videos on on the on YouTube and stuff where people are driving along with their friends and they'll stick like a photo of a truck on the windshield of the car what? while while a person is asleep and then the driver will slam on the brakes <gasps> and scream and all the buddies will scream and they'll film his reaction. That is horrible. It's a pretty cool that trick. Is, oh my god. No. Cruel, I said not cool, very cruel, cruel trick. That's terrible. Something that is not quite as terrible but could be compared to a car accident. Oh, yes, from time to time, yes. Is the Eurovision (laughs) Song Contest. Yes, on May 25th we had the 47th Eurovision Song Contest. It's one of the, well, you got to 47, so clearly one of the world's longest running annual televised music competitions. Started in 1956. I think the only year it wasn't held was 2020, obviously care of the Rona 
We've had 52 countries participating at least once. And I think the rules are that each country that's participating, they send in one original song, three minutes duration. Originally, I think it had to be solo singers, but then they eventually allowed groups. And then each of the countries that are participating get a, a bunch of points that they can allocate to the other countries. Yeah. And there's always the pre- – like it depends on what conflict is happening over there <laughs> at the time. so true. You know, like- so true because I think with this particular one, there was some controversy around Sweden and Belgium telling the audience not to vote for the Israeli entry. Not sure <laughs> oh, what the conflict was that triggered that. Yeah. Um, and there were also allegations of vote swapping. So, you know, you vote for me and I'll vote for you. And- oh, alliances. Yes. God, it's, it's like, like the United Survivor, Nations. It? Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> We have the tribe has spoken. Um, I, I I think the, I mean more recently Australia has been given a run in the Eurovision Song I think, Contest. I think twenty around twenty thirteen, which is ridiculous because we're is, not oh, a European yeah. country. What, it's weird. What's going on there? We should be in some Asian like oceanic song contest. Do they do one? Of those? I don't know, but they should. It'd be great. Yes. Like, with K-pop, we, oh, oh you, we'd never win if there was K-pop in no, there. No, never, never, mm. ever. Anyway. One of the best things about it would be the the guy Terry Wogan, who used to do the commentary. He's oh, since retired, but he yes. was he was front and center for this one. And here's some gold. Like just Terry Wogan would commentate it over the top of the actual telecast <laughs> yes. for audiences in Australia and the UK. Um and he was just fantastic. I think he made it worth watching. Like it 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 was okay to watch, but I think if you were trying to watch it more seriously, you wouldn't enjoy it as much. And Terry Wogan always reminded you that you could not take Eurovision seriously. And in Europe, there are not many countries that start with E. Estonia is one of them. So, this is the perfect place to hold the Big E, the Eurovision Song Contest. (laughs) This does not mean they're giving the Big E to the Eurovision Song Contest. Calm yourself. But... But the party is not only here tonight. People are watching us in pubs, clubs, and even on the streets. For example, here in the town hall square in Tallinn. Tere Tallinn, que si están There's some crowd there. Well tanked. <laughs> yes, well tanked indeed, Terry. And that is the only way to watch the Eurovision Song Contest. You need to be hammered. You really do. You just go <laughs> down I, at the pub. And I think the problem with it is that we get it on a delay in Australia because obviously it happens during the day and uh, then the broadcast happens yes. at night time. So you know who the winners are. It's really hard to stay away from the spoilers <laughs> with Eurovision if you're watching the news. More seriously, though, I mean, ABBA came through the Eurovision Song Contest. Did they really? I did yeah, not know that. Yeah, pretty sure. And then less seriously, that band Lordy won the Eurovision Song Contest oh. as well. And that Was that the metal one? Yeah, they're, they're yeah. all dressed up as like creatures. I liked I liked it when the um, who was that girl from Australia and she was on a pole, just flying around. On oh, a pole. Um, and she was Danny, great singer. Dami Im? No, Kate Kate Miller. Oh, Kate Miller Heidke. Yeah, she's a great singer. Because Dami Im was in there as well, oh, wasn't she? One yes. of the Idol winners, and then Kate Miller Heidke had a crack, and it's yes. like Guy Sebastian went there went Did there he? once. Yeah. Oh, I thought he just went on yeah, World Angels, Idol. No, so Angels brought him there. After yeah. what? <laughs> Did they? I don't know. Anyways, 2002, we had 24 countries competing. Yeah. The th- this was the first year they decided to have a theme. Mm. Love a theme. 
It just makes it even more poxy. I mean, there's yes. themes to every performance, but why not have an overarching and over, theme? The overarching theme was called a modern fairy tale. And when you're in Estonia, like, why not? Yeah, a modern fairy tale. Yeah. So in between each of the acts, I think they showed postcards. Really? And they had classic fairy tales on them, and they All ended right. in modern Estonian situations. Cool. I don't know what a modern Estonian situation would be. Yeah. But I'm intrigued. I thought they might have had, like, a bunch of kids, and then they'd just vote on which one the witch would throw in the oven at the end. <laughs> That's a modern fairy tale. <laughs> Marie or Mari N from Latvia wins in yep. 2002 singing yep. the song I Wanna. She was a pop. Do you? I Wanna, and she did. She was a pop slash musical theatre slash jazz singer. All right, yeah. And this versatile. was the first time that Latvia won. Can you believe that? Good. Did they swap first votes time. with anyone? I don't think Latvia were involved in the controversial in the vote swapping. Vote swapping. Right, Malta okay. came second, but here's where I think it might have been rigged. Oh. Estonia came third. They, the hosting country came they third. Tie, they tied, they with, tied the with the UK. That yeah. seems a bit sus to me. Yeah, vote swapping between the UK and Estonia. Maybe. You vote for me, I'll vote for you. Now, see here, Estonia, we've got a couple of votes over here and we were wondering <laughs> if you'd be interested in trading or swapping them. What? Yes, for your modern fairy tales. This, yeah, so I didn't realise this, but if you were a fan of the Eurovision, yeah. they release a CD of all the entries each oh, year. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you can go back. You could go back and get the 2002 album of all the entries with I Wanna yep. and everyone else. And various other titles. Malta coming in second uh-huh. and Estonia cheating and coming third. Right, yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, you know, it was always a a, a big thing for the SBS. Oh, wasn't it? Yeah. Highlights. And, you know, SBS didn't, I mean, we always used to call it sex before soccer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what SBS stood for, sex before soccer, because they'd always show all the the naughty world movies. And they'd have the naughty cartoons late on a Saturday night. Yeah, the soccer wasn't on until, you know, early hours of the morning. (laughs) So you'd watch a bit of sex and then you'd watch a bit of soccer on the SBS. What a good night. Eurovision was a ratings bonanza for them. Good on them. I love the SBS. It's great. Their app is really good too. SBS On Demand, fantastic. Very underrated. It's time for the gruesome part of the proceedings, the news. Yeah, we had a light news last week, yeah. which was nice. But, yeah. yeah, back into the heavy stuff this week. And we start off on the 22nd of May. This was a really big one, and I reckon most people will remember this. The uh-huh. remains of missing Chandra Levy are found in Rock Creek Park in Washington, D.C. Yeah, this was all over the news at the time. Well, it was all over the news sort when of, she went missing. Yeah, starting in 2001 in right. May. And then September 11 happens, and she disappears off the headlines for a significant significant amount of time and then pops up again this week because they find her. Yes, she was the intern at the Federal Bureau of Prisons in Washington. She just finished her internship there and was supposed to return home on the 1st of May but never made it home. Yeah. Her parents hadn't been able to reach her so they ended up calling the police who checked her apartment and they found her ID, credit cards, jewellery, phone. Yeah, it didn't look good. No. Now, the investigators went through her computer and they eventually learned that she had gone to DC's Rock Creek Park, but they originally searched there Mm. and didn't find anything. 
Now, later on, on this date, they would actually find her, but it made headlines for a lot of reasons during the investigation. Her mother had gone through a phone bill for clues and it showed one number in particular that she phoned a hell of a lot of times. Yeah, that's right. It turned out to be the office number of Congressman Gary Condit. Yeah, yeah. And look, Gary didn't do himself any favours, but she it, it was revealed that mm. she was having an affair with him. And he was a married Democrat. He's a politician serving his fifth term. He did not want people to find out about this. And mm. as a result... That makes him a person of interest. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we're kind of off the back of as well, like you think back to the other big intern incident as well. Yeah. And I just think like watching shows like House of Cards and stuff, it's like, oh. Yeah. And look, that's a work of fiction. And sometimes art imitates life. I don't think that that's happened in this case. I'm not sure. But, But he certainly did have an affair with her. Yeah, so she goes missing in May and then in August he decides to do an interview with ABC's Connie Chung. And, like, why? Why did he do this? This is Mm. what I I, I just – why did he choose to do it? And you'll hear why because he doesn't really say a hell of a lot. May I ask you, was it a sexual relationship? Well, Connie, I've been married for 34 years and uh, I've not been a a perfect man and I've made my share of mistakes, but um, out of respect – for my family and out of a specific request from the Levy family, uh, I think it's best that I not get into those details uh, about Chandra Levy. Was that respect for you? I laughed about it because I thought it was so false, phony. It's just his way of weaseling out of it. So that's that's her mum and dad talking off mm. the back of that, saying that I, I was calling a Levy and it's Levy, but mm. this is the difference between Australian and American pronunciation. So I apologise for that. But he was um, like, why do the interview? Like, why do the interview? It was very obvious that he was having an affair. Even the answer, it's like, what are you talking about, mate? And I think her parents went to visit her while she was doing her internship and they were saying that she'd go off at night to meet this special friend and they didn't know who this special friend was until the case started and she'd gone through the phone bills. But also... They never specifically requested that he not talk about that. No, they, they didn't. didn't. They couldn't have cared less if he'd owned up to that affair. They, was, they, they probably would have preferred it. Mm. I mean, it would have, I don't know. Like, And if he had to come clean on the affair, it may have taken a little bit of the heat on it. I don't know. I mean, maybe it would have caused speculation to run rife. But the comments that he makes in that interview... All they do is throw gasoline on the fire. Yeah, it does kind of seem a bit odd. So that's in August and then obviously September 11 happens because this was dominating the headlines for some time. September 11 happens and kind kind of pushes it out of the spotlight and even her parents were saying that they'd have reporters camped out. Yeah. In front of their house yeah. every day. And then that happened and then they just suddenly disappeared. And so they were really concerned that it was going to lose momentum and they were never going to be able to find her or find out what happened right. to her. Right. Now, in spite of all the speculation about Condit, though, okay, mm. there you need to go back to facts. Okay. Mm. He has an alibi. Like, and it's a pretty watertight yeah. alibi. Yeah. So he's in meetings with the vice president. He's never been named as a suspect by the police and he was actually cleared of any involvement in the disappearance. He just wasn't around when she disappeared. Like he was actually Mm. working, I believe. Yeah. But because of all the suspicion and all the media focus, he actually lost his bid for re-election. Like it affected his job. Yeah. And it's just like, well, again, like it's like if you had maybe just told the truth 
as far as all because that was just that was almost a circus, like mm. a little bit of a sideshow to distract. and probably detracted from the actual investigation. Hundred percent, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So on May twenty second in two thousand and two. The mum and dad are on mm. the Oprah show. Uh, the Oprah show. Is that what, the Oprah Winfrey on, show? They were on the Oprah. Mm. Was it, isn't it just called Oprah? Well, it was the Oprah Winfrey show back then. It became Oprah later, didn't it? Maybe. But I've kind of clouded the whole thing by turning it into a chronology of Oprah's rise to success. <laughs> and, and that's not what this is no, about. This no, is about, stay out of it, Oprah. This is about Chandra Levy. So mm. they're on Oprah that Morning or mid-afternoon in mm. 2002 and they're mm-hmm. over in California and then they find Chandra's remains later that afternoon that day. Yeah. in Terrible. that particular park that they'd searched previously, which was Rock Creek Park in Washington, D.C. Mm. A man had called 911 after saying he found a skull and so her remains were found down a deep, steep embankment and the cause of death couldn't be determined but it was ruled a homicide so they they said it was a murder but they couldn't determine the cause of death and we're talking a year later so it was really hard for them to get any dna would i i don't know anything about how long it takes for somebody to decompose but i guess if you're left out in the open yeah it's like it's horrible because even when i was doing the research there were pictures of her clothing from yeah and there's like wild animals and stuff in a park and she's it's not like she was buried anywhere they just kind of she was thrown off the side of a steep hill or whatever so and that was the thing that like you say they'd searched that park because she had been googling it yeah. Um, but they obviously didn't search but in the why? In the right. Why was she Googling it? Like what was she doing there? She was I think she was just maybe doing some sightseeing before she went home. Wow. And because she'd been also Googling a lot of things like return tickets to, to wherever she, she was living at the time. Okay, so it didn't have anything to do with the studying or anything like that. No, I think she was just doing some well, sightseeing. No. Like perhaps. I mean what because what was she studying? She was an intern for um prisons. Yeah. Of- yeah. It's not like oh and this next part of your course you need to go and investigate parks has got nothing to do. Let's have a look at the environment that's completely different from a prison where there's trees and stuff. No, of course not. That's ridiculous. What am I even talking about? I don't know. But then in 2008, following <laughs> a series of investigative reports by the Washington Post, so this is the media, Yeah. the police are like, oh, Washington Post, that sounds like an interesting lead. Okay, we'll follow up on that. A guy called, and you're going to say the name, Ingmar Guandik. Yes. He'd already been arrested for attacking women in that area around the same time. Yeah. And I think they just didn't even interview him at that point. They finally obtained a warrant in 2008. And then on March the 3rd, 2009, they arrested him. They were just like, yep, Ingmar Guandik is our man. Yes. Yeah. So they alleged that he'd attacked and tied her up in a remote area of the park and left her to die of dehydration. Oh, no. That's so bad. In November 2010, he was convicted of murdering her and sentenced in February 2011 to 60 years in prison. However, in 2015, he was granted a new trial. Right. And then they said they weren't going to proceed with the case against him and instead sought to have him deported. But how long has he been in prison for? Like, Yeah. So this is 2016. Yeah. So he's already been in prison for eight years? No. 2016. No, he's been in prison for 2000. He's been in prison for like six years, seven years, seven years. 
Because he got arrested in 2009, right? Yeah, but I think he was already in jail for other stuff that he'd done. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they caught him for something else. He's in jail and then they tried to – Try him for this one and give him the sixty years in prison. Yeah, and then but then they decided to deport him instead. But he Uh, he maintains that he's innocent. But someone that he was in jail with then said that he had actually confessed to her murder while he was his cellmate. Yeah, he said his cellmate said that he said he was trying to rob her and dragged her into the bushes and accidentally killed her. He didn't know that she was dead until he saw it on the news. That was according to his cellmate. But well, how could he accidentally kill her if he said earlier on or the prosecutors had said that he'd attacked and tied her up and she died of dehydration or exposure? Well, he left her to do that. Yeah. Because there was no sign of any... When they found the body, they couldn't pick the cause of death. So they no. speculated that it was dehydration or exposure because mm. they couldn't find the cause of death. Mm-hmm. And then how does he say that he accidentally killed her? That does not make any sense. So then do we go back to the circus and mm. talk about the senator with the alibi? Well, probably not because nobody wants to get sued because we don't have any money. <laughs> Next story. Okay, on the 22nd of May, a jury in Birmingham, Alabama, convicts former Ku Klux Klan member Bobby Frank Cherry of the 1963 murders of four girls in a white supremacist terrorist bombing. Yeah, so this guy was in the KKK. Mm. We would definitely be calling him a white supremacist terrorist. And he was one of four Klansmen responsible for the 16th Street Baptist church bombing. They put 19 sticks of dynamite Mm. attached to a timer beneath the steps of the church and they blew it up. Martin Luther King actually said it was one of the most vicious and tragic crimes ever perpetrated against humanity and it killed Addie Mae Collins, Cynthia Wesley, Carol Robertson and Carol Denise McNair and up to 22 other people were injured. What I found interesting in doing the research for this is there's a news report in the 1970s and it's so interesting the way people used to talk about black people back then. There's a whole bunch of that report that I can't and do not want to play Mm. when they interview some of the white locals about them. But there's clearly a lot of hate towards the black community in Birmingham, Alabama. But this is Dan Rather talking here back in 1970 and even the – what was probably deemed as the political correct term here. So I'm just going to warn you because I'm apologising if this offends anyone, but I do Mm. think it's very interesting to look at the way white people in America at the time used to talk about the black community. Negroes who live in this rural area are convinced that someone deliberately burned down their church. Burned it because Negroes dared to hold voter registration classes here. Because of this rubble, some of the colored folk around here are scared. Scared as they have never been before. And they won't be back for any more voter registration classes. But others are not scared, or if they are, refuse to show it. And they are coming back, more determined than ever. So that speaks for itself. I don't need to comment Mm. on the way. And Dan Rather is a very accomplished journalist, or he was at the time, and Mm. he's been through, you know, He's had a very long career, uh, but it's just interesting to hear the way that they talk or they spoke back then. So when was that? That was the 70s. That was in the 70s. It was like around 1970, Mm. I believe. Uh, But they they did, the the KKK and the white community in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, had a really big problem Mm. with black people 
registering to vote, which is why that attack happened. They wanted to scare him. They didn't want to do him. So Bobby Frank Cherry, he's born in the 1930s Mm -hmm. in a neighbourhood of, I don't know, Mineral Springs or somewhere in Alabama. He's a Marine. He gained expertise in demolitions and working with explosives. He had a wife and seven kids because there's nothing else to do in Alabama. Yeah, breed. His wife died in the late 60s and after her death, he put all of his children into the orphanage. Oh, what a jerk. Yeah, or with, yeah. or sent them away to relatives, didn't want to deal oh, with you it. Know, you can't be ra- raising kids when you're trying to go and blow up churches. He remarried four times. <sighs> what a piece of work. Including to his third wife who testified at the trial that he had bragged about his role in the bombing. Yeah. But look, how bad is this though, right? This is 2002. This happened in 1963. Yeah. 1963. Now, if this was, Mm. if this had happened in a white community, like they would have been on this like flies on feces. Like it's just horrible. It's just, it's, well, it's got a long way to go. This is 2002. Like, I know it's 20 years ago, but we thought we were so progressive back then Mm. and we're only just committing, like, or convicting, we're only just convicting a guy of murdering or or committing a terrorist act against black people in 1963, you know, especially after everything else that has happened in the ways of terrorism. So he gets convicted on four counts of murder. They give him life. In mm. prison. I mean, he was born in 1930 and it's 2002. He's had a pretty long life anyway, considering the kind of jerk that he is. Uh, he tried to appeal, like how, I don't know. And then in 2004, they upheld his conviction and he died in prison like yeah, two years later. After. He no, did two same years. Year. Same he year. Did, yeah, so he did two years. Yeah, so he went, he went to prison. In 2002, right? He was convicted in 2002. He died in prison in 2004, you know. Mm. And and the people that he killed in 1963, that's where their life ended. So, like, what a piece of garbage. Mm. It's a horrible story. It's a terrible story. And it's, I mean, if you you want to get outraged, you could dig a little bit deeper and, and, and watch some more of those reports and look at how the locals in that community spoke about the black community. It is revolting. Yeah. Moving on to the 24th of May. Oh, yeah, in happier news. We have a hashtag collab between Russia and the US. They sign the Moscow Treaty on this day. It's like Putin's like, okay, uh, George, I bring the drum, you bring the bass. (laughs) George's like, okay, Vladimir, I'll bring that bass. AKA the Strategic Offensive Reductions Treaty. Sort, Sort, if you're into acronyms. Yeah. It was signed in Moscow by George W. and Vladimir. It was a strategic arms reduction treaty between the states and Russia and was one in a long line of treaties and negotiations on mutual nuclear disarmament between the two countries. The United States and Russia has agreed to a treaty which will substantially reduce our nuclear arsenals to the agreed-upon range of 1,700 to 2,200 warheads. This treaty will liquidate the legacy of the Cold War. When I sign the treaty with President Putin in Russia, we will begin the new era of U.S.-Russian relationships. 
1,700 warheads. Like, okay. Yeah, we're downsizing. Sure. Yeah, good on you. All right. What a token gesture. <laughs> like, really. Yeah. But anyway, whatever whatever it takes to, you know, to, to put restrictions on having all of those small arms and nukes and weapons of mass destruction that you were so hell-bent on stopping other people from making, sure, no worries. Yeah, so that was the, the idea, to put restrictions on, on the development and stockpiling of all, all this All they were trying stuff. to do is prevent an arms race again, right? It's often seen as a way to avoid that, yeah, yeah which could prove a bit counterproductive. Yeah. Uh, this particular one had both parties, as you heard them speaking there, to limit the arsenal to between 1,700 and 2,200 operationally deployed warheads each because, like, you know. Nu- nuclear warheads. I was going to say, like, yeah, cutting it back to 1,700, that's just going to make things so much safer. I feel like there should be some campaign of, like, nuclear warheads, not even once. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right? What do you need 1,700 of them for? What are you doing? Just in case. I don't oh, I don't even want to know what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. Uh, so this particular treaty came into force from June 2003 and lasted until uh, 2011 when it was superseded by the new START yeah, treaty. Yeah, they went from sort to sort start. to start. Uh-huh. I don't know what the limit was. Yeah. Well, there's no treaties being Under signed now. START? Yeah. It's all a bit of a worry, mm, isn't it? It is. Yeah. But it's, I guess it was nice to see them all shake hands for a little while there. Yeah, I mean, it's you look at the situation now. Like nobody's shaking hands with Russia now. They were, not even Netflix, and they won't be for a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to the twenty fifth of May. Let's because uh, it just gets better and better. Now we got some transport disasters. More. Bit of time saver traffic. Sure, a lot of time saver traffic. Twenty yep. fifth uh, of May, we had a train crash in Mozambique, killing one hundred and ninety seven people. Yeah, and then China Airlines Flight 611, which is a 747-200, breaks apart in midair mm. and basically plunges into the Taiwan Strait and kills 225 people. So that's great. I think we need to go to this. Let's do some sport, please. Yes, please. Let's talk about rugby union. The 25th of May 2002, we had the Super Rugby Final at Jade Stadium in Christchurch. Yeah, the Canterbury Crusaders take on our home team. Yes, the Brumbies. The ACT Brumbies. Were they the Computer Associates Brumbies back then? Oh, they probably were close to being like they were the Computer Associates. Or maybe they were sponsored by Canberra Milk at that stage. We probably need to go back and check that and then you can do a retraction for that maybe Uh, next week. Yes, sure. Love a retraction. Mel's big retraction coming up in the entertainment (laughs) section shortly. Um, Unfortunately, the Brumbies did. They didn't bode too well. Yeah. Uh, 31 to 13 thumping. Mm. Andrew Mertens from the Crusaders kicks three penalties, two conversions at a drop goal for the winners. The Brumbies had played them previously in the grand final in 2000 here and they lost then 19 to 20 by one point. It was Ooh. heartbreaking. I remember because it was a local grand final yes. and they lost by one point. Yeah. It was heartbreaking. But they did come good in 2001. They beat the Durban Sharks and became actually became the first team outside of New Zealand to be crowned Super 12 I champions. Think Durban, they were a South African team, I think, Durban Sharks. Uh, and in 2002, the team had like Owen Finnegan, oh, George, yes, Owen George Finnegan. Gregan. Owen Finnegan was a great guy. What was his nickname? The Melon, the big <laughs> yeah. Melon because of his head. 
George Gregan. He was. I loved having beers with Owen Finnegan back in the day. He was George lovely. Gregan, Jeremy Paul. Also yes. didn't mind having a beer with Jeremy Paul. Yes. Um, although, he, yeah, he was all right. Stephen Larkham as well in the squad. But this is the uh, final moments of the game, unfortunately. Four minutes left in the final. The throw's not good. Who wants it? Snapped up by Daryl Gibson, the veteran player. Marshall brings it out. Now Maxwell to Major. Logs it across to Caleb Root. There's the Super 12 for 2002. So cool, so calm, so collected. What a team. Crusaders nail it. Yeah, they did it easy. They basically cinched the whole thing with four minutes of the game to go. There wasn't much else worth writing home about after that. It was a bit sad. Mm, bit sad for the Brumbies, but better better days to come. Oh, yeah, they dominated, didn't they? Yeah. Didn't you get tackled by one of them? Oh, yeah, we did a stunt with uh, Tamati. Tamati, yes, that's right. Yeah. Yes. We did and, a radio uh, stunt. I think it was like $10,000 for charity and I will run full pelt <laughs> or as fast as I can go at Tamati Harua and he'll spear me. Yeah, great idea. And he did spear me. <laughs> I did. It was a, it was a light because we didn't have any like really good gear. So I was like on a Nokia mobile phone. I was on my phone <laughs> and I, was, I had it strapped to a headband <laughs> on my head. And ran at him, and he hit me, and the phone, the phone flew like a hundred meters like, across oh, the oval. He's lost the phone. We need to hear him getting thumped. Now we can't hear it. Well, you heard can't the hear hit. The bones you heard breaking. the hit, but then it all it all got really distant because yeah. the phone went flying across the oval. So I'd got the oh, I'd taken dear. the hit, and I took it like a champ. It hurt. I'm not surprised. But I was real like because dead air is a crime when you're on the radio, right? <laughs> so I've got up and I, I I wasn't sure if I'd punctured a lung. I couldn't even breathe. Got to get the Nokia. And so I've <laughs> chased like run to try and find where the phone is and and thankfully a helpful listener was like, it's over here. Would you like a slice of cake? I'm like, no, I can't breathe. And then and then I picked up the phone and um finished the, the call. But uh, And we raised like $10,000 for kids with cancer or something, so that was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, good on you. But, yeah, it was, uh, the things we do. It's because, you know, it was like jackass was really big, so, you know, yeah. let's, let's go on. Yeah. Oh, well. I, I kind of don't think that uh, work cover – would have appreciated that stunt just quietly. No. Yeah, no. I often wonder if the if yeah, like if it had gone bad. Mm, maybe what I sort would, of coverage would you have yeah, had? Yeah, and well, maybe. Question. And they made a pretty decent profit on the radio back in those days. Maybe I would have never had to work another day in my life. I think that's mm. the attitude I had because I was getting a bit jaded with the industry at that time. And I'm like, I'm just going to do all these stunts. And if I get really badly injured, maybe I'll never it's have to work get. again. I wonder if I could get anything for a bit of trauma associated with sticking my hand in a cow because I can still feel that on my arm. Oh, that was the other stunt that we did, oh, didn't we? I can still well, feel I made that you, clenching. I made that you was stick just... your. Um, arm up a cow's yeah, yeah. Uh, vajayjay to uh, to find out whether or not it had <laughs> a calf. And my arm was paining. Oh, God. And you had like a- I'm a, still distressed by you that. You had like a, a glove that Ugh. went up to your Ugh. shoulder. Ugh. And you Which were I needed. smothered in KY jelly oh, and we basically, so yeah. Yeah, that wasn't. It sounded great on air. Like, <laughs> I mean, it would have really got the listeners going. It would have been great. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't, that, that sort of stuff just, I don't know if that would stand up these days, would it? I don't think it would. And I don't think you'd get the, yeah, you wouldn't get any coverage for oh, that. Oh, you'd probably get cancelled. <laughs> All right, we're on the home stretch. It's entertainment time. 
Starting at the box office, the number one in both the US and Australia this time 20 years ago. Give you one guess. Oh, it has to be Star Wars. Yes. Star Wars is still going, going like ballistic. $18 million in the States, $12 million here in Australia. That's a lot for Australia, 12 mil. Yeah, got to get in there and watch it and get all that box office dollars before they get to that scene where Anakin's talking about how he doesn't the like sand. sand. Yeah, look, uh, I get that. Of course, and it's rough after the and it sand gets mouth. Yeah, the, and there's the sand mouth. It's there dangerous. There is, no sand there is a sound. Please sand stop mouth. with the sand mouth. <laughs> no, it's haunting me. Yeah, I yeah. see it in my dreams. It's, yeah, your comments are uh, haunting me. They're having an impact on our marriage. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> the sand mouth doesn't do it for you. Let's oh, move on then to the small screen. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> oh, one, one doorway closes and another opens. <laughs> We had a lot of big TV shows ending this time 20 years ago. Yeah. Three massive. Yeah, like this one. Tom DeLonge's favourite show. But that came back anyway, so. Well, it did in 2016. (laughs) But it it was really, I think, kind of just dying an extended death by this stage. I mean, it was so groundbreaking when it first came out because it was so different. I we are talking it was, about the X Files, by the way. Yeah, we are. Yes, I thought it was true. My friend said, "Hey, watch this. <laughs> watch this show." I was what? like, "Is this for real?" I honestly thought it was true. That is like actors playing it. I know, but I thought I thought it was like they were investigating real things. Right. When okay. I watched it. I was very gullible back well, then. Clearly. This is the uh, 90s. Well, believe anything. You just wanted to believe. I want yes. to believe. Yes. So the science fiction drama revolving around FBI agents Fox Mulder, played by David Duchovny, and Dana Scully, Gillian Anderson, who investigate the X-Files yeah. uh, on unsolved cases involving paranormal phenomena. And so it had all those like Twilight Zone sort of things going through yes. it, but it's also like David Duchovny's character, he reckoned his sister was abducted by aliens, so he was trying to uncover the truth through the whole thing. like, my sister, my sister. And there was like the cancer man who was trying to cover other things up, the guy that smoked cigarettes. Yeah, that, that but was, Scully was a sceptic, wasn't she, to start Scully with? was there as a sceptic to keep yeah. an eye on him and keep him in the line yes. and the relationship developed and all this stuff. And this, this this narrative was going through it. So they'd have really weird episodes where there'd be creatures and stuff they'd investigate, like Bigfoot or the Fluke Man or whatever. Remember the Fluke Man? That was a great episode. It scared me too much. I couldn't watch it. But, like, because of the way TV series were written, there were so many episodes yeah, and so it started in 93. That's a long run. Yeah. By this stage, I think Jakovny had jumped ship. He was gone. Hmm. Dana Scully, Gillian uh, Anderson was still there, and they had Robert Patrick, who you would know as the T-1000 from oh, that guy. Terminator 2 was hmm. in there as well. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I, I'd fallen off the wagon by this stage. I was like, no, nah, I'm done with the X-Files. I the, the last sort of season or the last couple of seasons just didn't really do it for me. It was the longest running consecutive science fiction series ever on US TV. I used which- to look forward to it being on because it was like, oh, yeah, like sci-fi is going mainstream. Stream. I feel mm. like sci-fi is going to have another renaissance. Like, you know how zombies kind of became big and never went it was Walking oh, Dead and stuff? Oh, yeah, zombies became cool again. I'm hoping yeah. that sci-fi, Aliens. sci-fi, like we get a really good sci-fi series sooner or later. Well, I mean, this- Battlestar Galactica was amazing. X-Files a bit different. It's more paranormal science fiction. But, yeah, come on. Maybe Tim the Yowie Man could get onto something. I don't know. I think I feel like the production values probably wouldn't work because people would just be spray-painting greyhounds. <laughs> 
Well, X-Files, 62 Emmy nominations and 16 awards. Pretty big. Nominated for 12 Golden Globes overall, winning five, and 14 SAG o- awards overall. Yeah. And then all of those other kind of niche awards over the years. Yeah. So massive. Yeah, Massive came back in, in 2016. Fans loved the fact that it was oh, coming back. And then they crazy. did a 10-episode thing in 2018, which I feel like they didn't really take all that seriously. Like, I didn't enjoy it. And then didn't one of the two just go, no. Nah, oh, they just kept doing, doing the nostalgia thing with it. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, But I used to, I can remember I was in school when it started and mm. I couldn't wait for, I think it was Thursday nights, X-Files night. I don't know. I didn't watch it. It scared me too. After my friend showed me it and I thought it was real, I'm I'm out. It was a big deal. And it was much better than um, Ally McBeal, (laughs) which also ended like the next day, 20 years ago, on the 20th of May. This is. Did you ever watch Ally McBeal? What I remember from Ally McBeal was everybody thought Callista Flockhart was too skinny. That's what I took away from it. I remember. There was all that talk about her being too skinny and you could see her ribcage. Really? People were outraged. Uh, body shaming Callista People Flocker. were outraged about how skinny she was. That's what I remember. I was but out- it was wasn't it a legal comedy drama dramedy thing? Yeah, apparently something? this is some dialogue from what I Google. Like I was I was googling some stuff. And I'm like, what is Ali McBeal's best scene? And for this man to be running around vaccinating any woman he can convince to play doctor, for for this man to indulge his little affliction at the expense of his wife and his children, for for this man to skirt financial and moral responsibility because he found a scuzzy lawyer and a scuzzier shrink to pronounce him disabled, for for this man to waltz into a court and get an order saying that this woman was never married when she led an exemplary married life. For this man to say that he's addicted to love, addicted to sex, addicted to infidelity, lying and cheating. For this man to come in here parading his penis like like he should qualify for handicap parking. How dare you subject this woman to this embarrassment? How dare you subject your kids to it? How dare you live? You giant ass. Wow. Go get him, Allie. Emotional. And the crowd goes wild. Mm. Yeah. I don't know entirely contextually what that was all about, but apparently that's the most powerful scene. Uh, look, it was a comedy drama. It's a dramedy, like you're saying. David E. Kelly, producer who did Doogie Howser, Picket Fences, Boston Legal. Uh, I feel like Boston Legal was a spin-off from this, maybe the one with I William think, Shatner, the I, Shat Man. I think you're right. I remember that they did used to have like this Looney Tune kind of edge to it, where they mm. would combine like some special effects, like there'd be an argument and they'd superimpose like a cat head on the person, oh, and then and they did wacky. they had a few little special effects tricks in there to sort of add to augment the comedy, I guess. And they had the unisex bathroom. That was oh uh, yeah. Big well, that's point. hey. Maybe they were a bit ahead of their time. Yes, and there's a lot of gags. I think she was quite clumsy and would fall over when she met someone right. she found attractive, yep. was a bit quirky. And they had a reference to that internet dancing baby. That See, was a big deal. Early CGI, yep. Yeah, and they also had a lot of famous singers performing at it the was, end look, of the show. It was a wildly popular show. It was I massive. can't discredit it as not being popular. Mariah I just, performed, Barry yeah. White, Anastasia. Anastasia. I'm out of love. Set me free. Uh-huh. Uh, in March 2021. Stop for a sec. You know Anastasia. You know how she does that song? It's Anastasia. Anastasia. And it's like, and I wonder how it goes being left outside alone or whatever that song was. Oh, yes. Yeah. Just to have a think about that song yeah. and then think about 
Jack Black's style of singing. And you can never unhear that being sung by Jack Black. <laughs> I have a theory that Anastasia is 2000's Taylor Dane. <laughs> Remember Taylor Dane? Taylor to my heart. Yes, same person, yeah. I reckon. Same yeah. person. I've got to stop karaoke on this show. We're going to lose you really do. listeners you really in do. droves. I think that's the same person. We'll go down from three to one. Um, <laughs> uh, it, yeah. yeah, last year it was reported that a revival limited series was in early development. Of Ali with McPhil. Callister possibly returning. Don't know if it's true or not, but uh-huh. keep an eye out. You yeah. never know. Here's another show that I didn't watch. From the moment their lives touched. Where are you going to college? New York. What about you? She knew she must follow her heart. If you want to make this decision, I will not financially support it. She's about to make the best mistake of her life. Is it possible to be just friends with someone I have these feelings for? It's about growing up. I have to learn. And falling in love. What we said the other day about being friends. Did you mean that? You know what you said? I'm kind of into Julie. Tonight, Scott Foley, Amy Jo Johnson, Scott Speedman, and Carrie Russell. How could you lead me on? You made me fall in love with you. How could you think that you're in love with me? You don't even know me. Wow. Felicity. (laughs) Didn't watch it. Me either. Never been inspired to watch it. That trailer makes me glad that I never watched it. Do you know who was created by that? Who? J.J. Abrams. Oh, yeah. The Lost Guy. Yeah. That does not seem really. That doesn't actually surprise me. Really? No. Hmm. J.J. I mean, I'm hot and cold with J.J. Like he's good with his science fiction and stuff. I think J.J. is overrated. Like he's going to save Star Wars and he's going to redo Star Trek and he did Felicity. I so just want him to tell go. me. I just want him to tell me the answer to Lost because I'm still confused about that. Oh. But back to Felicity. I could talk yeah. about Lost all night. Yeah. Back to Felicity. The series revolved around the college experiences of said Felicity, mm-hmm. portrayed by Kerry Russell, as she attends yeah. the University of New York, loosely yeah. based on New York, New York University. University. Good. Of course. That's good. Not much of a stretch, but well done, uh, writers. Yeah. Yes. Good. Ran for four seasons yeah. from 1998, with each season corresponding to the traditional American university kind of years, your freshman, sophomore, yeah, junior, senior. Just, so I don't think it was cancelled in so much as she just ran out of school years. Oh, she just finished. Yeah, finished she Finished her degree, went out into the workforce. See ya. Although the only thing I remember about this show was she had this amazing curly hair. It was really big and lustrous and beautiful and, red, and amazing. like vibrant, yeah. She yeah. cut it and the show ended. Good. <laughs> Do we want to talk that there was theories of that? No. What? No. Well, I think there was theories that that's why it ended, but nah, we'll just leave it at that. I do have to do my retraction though. Is it? Is there a conspiracy around that? I think there was talk that it didn't test well with the audience. The haircut. Yeah. And that ruined didn't the like show. It. Didn't the test show well, that was killed by a haircut. By the haircuts. We've all been there. We've or maybe all said, it was you just know, just a trim and one of the most white, white bread, unrelatable. No hair. Like left. some dude who's just well, finished you cut school. your fringe and it's crooked and you keep going and then you don't have a fringe. Flipping burgers at McDonald's in Australia or In and Out Burger, mm. trying to get some funds together to study at TAFE. And then he cuts then, his hair and then oh, that's it. Can't wait to get home and watch Felicity. Super <laughs> relatable. <laughs> Learning how to be a plumber at TAFE and Felicity's on the TV. Oh, mm, that hair. I can so I identify with that character <laughs> and all of those, you know, 
white blokes named Scott <laughs> that are in and out of love with her depending on which way the wind blows. Yes. Give me a break. Yes. Bye-bye, Felicity. So, okay. What you have before? We, oh, we yes. nearly missed this. I was you, hoping to gloss over it, but no, I should. Well, make you didn't a even. I thought we were going to miss it entirely, but I won't let you do that because you hooked it in the intro, and we've got to deliver on everything that we promise. Yes, I do need to apologise to two people. <laughs> okay, two people. I need to say I'm really sorry to Suzanne Summers. Oh. And I need to also apologise to Barbara Eden. Oh, why? What happened? So last week. You were talking about Suzanne, and I, I, I can't even enthusiastically. Remember. I must have been drunk. Yeah, probably. I enthusiastically interrupted, going, "Oh, that movie, Brand New Life, Suzanne Summers, Brand New uh-huh. Life, Jenny Garth or Jeannie Garth, Jenny, Jeannie." <laughs> Barbara yeah, Eden the, was Jeannie, wasn't she? The two, well, here, here's the thing. I said it was Suzanne Summers. It was actually. Barbara Eden that played the mum. She played the mum in Brand New Life. And Brand New Life wasn't just a movie. It was a telly movie that then went into a series. I only watched the movie, so I thought it was just a movie. So I do need to say sorry. It was, in fact, Barbara, but I gave Suzanne the cred. But in my defence, Suzanne was in that show Step by Step, which was also a blended family. Right. Not to be confused with the new Kids (laughs) on the Block song. In your defence, Barbara Eden isn't the only chick that's been living in the bottom of a bottle. (laughs) (laughs) But Suzanne was the thigh master. So just a moment for that. How good was the thigh master? Yeah, great. Don't drink and podcast, people. (laughs) Sorry, Suzanne and Barbara. (laughs) We've got a few this week. We do. Births, deaths and marriages. We will start with a birth on the 19th of May. Uh-huh. Jaden Lindsay was born to Bogan parents. Was she? Well, it's spelt J-A-I-D-Y-N-L-Y-N-Z-E-E. Jaden Lindsay. Jaden Lindsay. Uh, did not know what a Jaden Lindsay was until- Who is she? I didn't know, but apparently an American YouTuber. Oh, God. Best known for her hashtag collab with the YouTube channels Seven Perfect Angels and Seven Supergirls, among others. Yeah. Made her very, very popular among teenagers uh, as her content resonates with many young girls. Yeah. Has lots of followers on the gram as well. Also runs her own self-titled YouTube channel. That's a lot of channels. That's a lot of I'm tired just. She's basically grown up on YouTube, so I had no idea who Mm. she was until I researched her, and now I feel infinitely stupider. But um, so this was her back when she first started with what was it called? Seven Perfect Angels, I believe. Hi, guys. I'm Jaden. I'm 12 years old, and I come from the United States, and I'm Yorder Thursday on Seven Perfect Angels. Some of you guys might recognize me from previous channels like Seven Gymnastics Girls. And most recently, Seven Twinkling Tweens. When I was offered the spot on Seven Perfect Angels, I went crazy. I was so excited. Great. So, right. se- so there's a, a, a theme of seven. Do, do you think her parents might have uh, encouraged Look, her a little bit? Because we are, you know, this is early YouTube days when people would watch kids unbox things. and. Well, like I said, she's grown up on mm. YouTube. Like she's gone mm. to college now. Hey, guys. 
guys, it's Jaden. Welcome back to my channel. So by the time you guys are watching this, I will already be in Texas, all moved into my dorm, which only means one thing, that it is officially a back to school season and I have done quite a bit of back to school shopping this year so far. Oh, that, oh, an unboxing of back to school goods. Like who cares? I wonder if she got a kilometrico pen. Who cares? Did I just really write for a kilometer. I, Maybe look, she could tell us. Look, she's obviously done very well from this Thing? Is it a career? It's just a thing. Know. It's an Do you know anomaly. kids? Well, actually, kids going to school these days, growing up, when they yeah. ask what they want to be when they grow up, YouTube. YouTubers, well, very at, common. Yeah, like the very Paul common. brothers and things like that. It's just, it's just funny what like these kids grow up on YouTube. Mm. They they make money from YouTube. This is a platform that's it's owned by a third party that could change the rules tomorrow and take it yeah. all away from yeah. you, and that's happened. Yes. Uh, but what I find fascinating about this, and there's not much that I find fascinating <laughs> about it, like I couldn't give a stuff about the content, is the behaviour. The behaviour that is because and the style of presentation of the YouTube presenter. Hi all... guys, just jumping on. Oh my god, what's my hair doing in this clip? So many of you are asking how I get such good skin. They what my all routine speak is exactly the same. Yeah, they all speak exactly the same. Yeah, and it's like about the most asinine crap. It's like oh, like w today we're gonna eat food in front of you. Oh, I, I, I hate people that eat on the show and you see them and the food in their mouth and then they talk. Well, they've got gonna, food in their mouth. I'm oh. going to buy a bunch of stuff and take it out of the box and show you. Yeah. Like, these, Isn't the unboxing the strangest thing? It's It really is, unless it's done artistically and then, you it's know, just, and then it's kind of interesting. I just don't but I just it. don't understand it. And it's like I, I feel like maybe uh, this is where I sound like a wowser, but it's just Asinine. There, it is so mediocre. There's nothing to get inspired about by watching somebody just get on with their life. You should get on with yours. Mm. Not like, hey guys, it's me again. Today, I'm going to brush my teeth for you, and then I might sit around the house. and And the worst thing about it is, is the people that do this now. And I don't know that it happens so much. I'm kind of going off on this Jaden girl. She probably doesn't deserve it. I'm sure she's thing. a lovely person. She probably is, but she's mm. you know conditioned. And happy. Behavior. Birthday. Sorry yeah. to ruin your birthday with all this negativity. Oh, today I'm going to show you my birthday cake. I don't care. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Another trip around the sun for you. Yeah, awesome. well, you know, but a like, lot of money. But, like, it's just weird. And it's weird mm. how we mm. – I, I think there's this primal thing where people are actually drawn to it. They just want to see how the other – like, voyeurism. Well, it's the, new, it's the new reality show, isn't it? Is it, It's though? the ultimate reality show. I just don't get it. I don't mm. get it. Like, and people will do these things where they have – it's like that – what's that uh, little little huddy guy last week? He's, like, 22. Oh, wellness. And he's trying mindset. to sell mindset. Mate, I'm 45 years old. I do not give a <laughs> stuff about your mindset. Your mindset is, like – I, well, scratching your bum and bumping into things like I was at 22, <laughs> hopefully. You'll have a lot more fun if you do that. You know what? Can I minor spoiler for the Batman movie? This kind of ruined the Batman movie for me oh, because yes. they wrote this into the Batman movie. So you've got this, okay, if you have not seen the Batman, you might want to skip forward to the next chapter. Don't worry about the other two birthdays or whatever. But if you have seen the Batman and it's been out for a while, the Riddler, Really menacing character. They've got these great scenes that make him look like this awesome serial killer kind of sociopathic dude. And then in the last couple of scenes, 
where he's about to reveal his big plan to take out Gotham City, they they discover his apartment and they go in and they log into like a social media account. He's on Twitch or something. And it's like, and he's doing all these really menacing things with hostages and stuff. And then he's like, "Hi guys, Riddler here." And he's please got say this, just jumping on to give you an update. Pretty much. Oh no! And I was just like, "No, no." This movie has been so that. great. Like, I really love the Batman. What's movie. going on with my hair? Oh my god! Let me just fix that. And they took this character that was kind of great and cool and menacing, <laughs> and they turned him into Jaden Lindsay. Got to have a flo- got to have a vlog. Yeah, but you know what that does? That makes me really scared. If it's like, what kind of person makes those videos? What kind of person follows those videos? That is terrifying. <laughs> that is how easily led are they? Somebody who wants skincare tips. Not capable of free thought and will do anything that the computer tells them to do. <laughs> you need to go into the lounge room and slap your parents in the face. Sure. Okay, let's move on to the yeah. birthday of someone who I feel is a little bit more sensible. Oh. Well, to a degree, he's done some pretty out there things. <laughs> Actually, he has, but uh-huh. he wouldn't be jumping on just to give his fans an update on his hair or what he's eating. You don't reckon, Louis? He Saru. he would uh, he would rap. It's Louis, and we're about to do this, and we go a little something like this. I gotta hate this money; it's all on me. We gotta get this cheese; Louis, it's all we Louis, need. Louis. I gotta make this yep, money. Louis, Louis, you're supposed to let me do my part first. Oh, sorry. He got, he's into this, he's into this. But that's good. I'm, I got to do my part. Are you ready? You just said it goes a little no, something no, like no. this. Uh, just listen. Let, uh, here we go, here we go. I said, hey, are you all with sitting? You're on the radio with your boy Huawei. Got him. With your boy Huawei. <laughs> I got to make this money. It's all on me. We got to get this cheese. It's all we need. I got to make this money. It's all on me. Louis Reese and Big and the BBC. My money doesn't jiggle jiggle, it folds. I wanna see you wiggle wiggle, for sure. It makes me wanna dribble dribble. You know, riding in my beard, you really have to see it. I'm six feet two in a compact, no slack. But luckily the seats go back. I got a knack to relax in my mind. I'm feeling fine and I'm sipping some red, red wine. Louis, you did it, you did it! How obnoxious is Wild Wayne? He's uh, enthusiastic. He's a radio host. Oh, is he? Yeah, so that's some oh. kind of show that he does on the I BBC. thought he was a rapper. I just feel like somebody should go a bit gangster on Wild Wayne and maybe, I don't know, tragedy struck today as Wild <laughs> Wayne was taken out in a drive-by. Oh, dear. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. Louis Thoreau, thankfully, was not harmed. Good, because it's his birthday on the 20th of May. He, of course, is the British-American documentary filmmaker, journalist, broadcaster, also a podcaster and an author. He's received two British Academy TV Awards and a Royal Television Society Television Award. How much fun have we had binging some of Louis Thoreau's specials? Yeah, was it Weird Weekends that we watched mainly? Yeah, it was great. And he had, oh, he also had When Louis Met and he met. I feel like we've done a lot. Of, like watched a lot of his stuff, like pretty much most of it. Yeah, particularly the stuff sort of early to mid two thousands. We yeah. were really yeah. Into uh, him. Most recently, his Scientology documentary, which oh, was really good. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So he moved to the US and worked as a journalist um, for Metro Silicon Valley, I think it was, and then yeah. started. He was also a presenter on Michael Moore's TV Nation series and then started to do his own documentaries. Yeah. Shout out to Trudy. Trudy's a massive fan of Louis Theroux. 
Yes. Well, what did she recommend of his? Oh, just she, everything that he's done. There was much. something that we hadn't already seen and she recommended and it was great. I can't remember what it was now. Was it the Scientology one? No. No. no it or Was it the Swingers one? Maybe. No. I don't know. What Do you remember it? the one where he did the Swingers one? That was, that was yeah, that was a bit yeah. frightening. Oh, yes. all of it. It's just great. I, I just think he's um, – the, the best thing about Louis is he comes across as kind of – very mild-mannered. bit bumbly. Yeah, and as a consequence, bit nerdy. I think he's able to put himself in situations where people are completely disarmed with him and yeah. they just they let him in all the way. What's he done? There was survivalists. I liked those. Yeah. The, the preppers. Yeah. Porn stars. Yeah. Uh, white supremacists. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the more terrifying ones he did was when he met Jimmy Savile. Oh, that uh, was yeah. That was the when we met series. I don't want to talk too much about Jimmy Savile, but then he he released another documentary after that because mm. he felt like he didn't. I don't know. He just Jimmy Savile being who he was. Mm. Louis felt like he he kind of I think needed to get some closure on that because of the, the basically the crimes that that guy committed and and the fact that he kind of it wasn't a retraction per se. He just needed to go back and. After people found out what they found out about that guy, yeah. revisit some of the things that he'd discussed with him and kind of remix what he'd done. But yeah, like that's probably some of the more serious stuff, but he's done some pretty like fun stuff as well. Yeah. Like yeah. swingers. <laughs> and the bunny ranch. Do you remember when he went to the that bunny was the, ranch? Was that the porn star one? Yeah, I think yeah. that was something to do with that. That was crazy. But he just, yeah, he just had this way where people would open up to him. I kind of felt sometimes it he did kind of take, the Mickey a little bit too much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there were some situations where you thought, mm, I reckon he's going to get himself killed. Wasn't there one where he was hanging out with gangs at one point? Yeah, so he went to Philadelphia. Philadelphia, that's right. That was yeah. an interesting one. That was and then frightening. when he went to South Africa and found yes. himself hanging out with a bunch of white supremacists. Yes. That was Pretty scary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He did get into a few situations. But that rap that you played there, that actually then became a big TikTok thing. I think it got auto-tuned and became this big thing on, on the TikTok recently. I'm not surprised. Viral sensation earlier well, Let's this hope year. that Louis got some cash that didn't jiggle Probably jiggle not. that folded after that. <laughs> yeah. Who else have we got? Who's uh, We got a wedding? We do. We got a wedding On this week. On the 25th of May, German supermodel Claudia Schiffer married British film director Matthew Vaughan in but England. Did, was, didn't Claudia Schiffer, was she with David Copperfield? Oh, yes. That clearly didn't last. Well, he's a magician. Yeah. Magic is Made her disappear and marry <laughs> somebody else. Um, Claudia Schiffer was Wayne's World. Didn't they didn't they love Claudia Schiffer on Wayne's World? I feel like that was And wasn't she in the video clip for Uptown Girl by one of those UK boy possibly. bands? Possibly. I know she was in Richie Rich with Macaulay Culkin. Mm. Just minor parts. Uh, she wasn't so much paid for uh her acting ability or anything like that. It was because she was Absolutely beautiful, <laughs> like a very beautiful, striking-looking woman. She was gorgeous. Still is, actually. Is she still married to Matthew? That's the question. You, you know, one of my favourite jokes about Claudia Schiffer is over here we have the continuous call team. 
Yes. The rugby league commentary thing that's like Ray Hadley, uh, Daryl the big man, Broman. Broman. You want to talk about wowzers. Uh, you know, <laughs> Bob Fulton, God rest his soul, love Bob Fulton. Uh, all of those guys. And I think Broman was talking about there's a referee <laughs> in the rugby league called Wayne Brain. Mm. And he's like, how funny would it be if Claudia Schiffer married Wayne oh. Brain and had a hyphenated surname because it would be Claudia Schiffer Brain. <laughs> it's not my joke. Well, she's not going joke. to marry Wayne Brain because no. she is still married to Matthew. Good. Good, good honour. Yeah, thank goodness. Still married to Matthew Vaughan. They've got one, two, three, three children. There was also a death of a very famous Australian on the 19th of May. Uh, it goes all the way to the top. It's the Prime Minister. Mm. Wasn't John, the Prime Minister at the time, I should say. That no, be- John Gorton, the 19th Prime Minister of Australia. Uh, yeah. I think he was the Prime Minister late 60s, early 70s. Yeah, had a very good innings. He died at 90 years mm. old. But he was the Prime Minister who defeated three other candidates for the Liberal leadership after Harold Holt disappeared on the 17th of December 1967. And here is the newsreel following that. Mr Holt's successor, Australia's 19th Prime Minister, is Mr John Gorton, a former wartime pilot whose ministerial posts have included the Navy, Education and Science. He was speaking here in Canberra. It is not going to be an easy task for me, but to Australians I would now say this in this moment. They can be sure that I will try my best and I will look to them for the strength successfully to conclude what we start, which from within myself alone, I think I could not get. Hmm. Do or do not, John, there is no try. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, he, he, was a, he was in the Senate when he assumed office of Prime Minister and then he transferred to the House of Reps. Yeah. In line with, obviously, the Constitutional Convention. Yeah, so this was around the time of the Vietnam War. So he continued Australia's involvement in the war but began to withdraw troops amid public discontent a few years later. Yeah, well, then he obviously did, you know, like he said in that speech, he was relying on the people and the people weren't happy so he tried to make them happy. Yes, and they retained office at the 1969 federal election, but they had a pretty severely reduced majority then. Yeah, well, that's always difficult. I really hope that that doesn't happen in in the election that comes up. It'd be nice to see a a side of politics with some kind of majority so they can Mm. actually get stuff done. Because when you've got a hung parliament, it's so difficult to get anything done. It does make it tricky. And he, he was often viewed as quite controversial even in his own party for some of his policies yeah, and alienated a lot of other cabinet members. He actually ended up resigning as Liberal leader in 71 after a confidence motion in his leadership was tied. Yeah. And he was replaced by William McMahon. Billy McMahon. Mm-hmm. Pops to Julian. Yeah. Who married Danny. Oh, Remember? is that Julian really? McMahon. Yes. Is that his grandfather or his no, dad? No, that's his dad. It's his dad. I know that John Gorton cut a really mean promo for Countdown. 
did he? Yeah, he's like running off to his car and the, all the journalists are like taking photos and asking questions. He's like, sorry, sorry, I really must go. I've got to get home in time for Countdown. Oh, I love that. Yeah, back in the days when the Liberal Party would do things for the ABC. <laughs> now they hate him. <laughs> he's, got anyway. a, he's got a building too named after The John him. Gordon yes. building. Indeed he does. Yes. Well, a lot of politicians do. Oh, okay. Uh, buildings. Well, That's the only one I remember. No Harold Holt building. No, 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 no. Maybe they should have a Harold Holt rem- memorial swimming pool. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> or an no. ocean baths. No. no, of course not. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's it. We're done. We're pretty much done anyway. We've still got the movie clue to do. I'm not going to pretend like I don't know that it's coming. I, I, I am, of course, concerned that I'm not going to get it right because I just feel like, you know, my time is 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 numbered. Oh, there's a great backing tune. Have a listen as well. Okay, so here we go with the movie clue for this week. Hey, Marty, I like your new coloring. It works for you. You did this? Yep, and it can end any time. The, the song in the background is blue. Why, why would I like that backing song? But I a, like it. As a consequence, I didn't listen to any of the time. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I was right. trying to name the song. Okay. Can I get a point for that? No. Okay. <laughs> hey, Marty, I like your new coloring. It works for you. You did this? Yep, and it can end any time. Marty, I like your new colouring. It works for you. Mm-hmm. Is that Paul Giamatti that says mm-hmm. you did this? Mm-hmm. Oh, who's the other person? I like your new colouring. What's the song in the background? Well, he's blue. Oh, it's, what's that movie where Paul Giamatti is blue? He has a blue house with a blue That doesn't. Blue. That none of that helps. Please do not do that. Blue is the colour of all that he has. Stop. Hey, Marty, I like your new coloring. It works for you. You did this? Yep, and it can end any time. The kid mm-hmm. is uh, Frankie Muniz from Malcolm in the Middle. Yes. Uh, Frankie Muniz, Paul Giamatti. Frankie Muniz only did a handful of movies. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think... Um, Big Fat Liar. Yes. Hell yeah. Wow. That was difficult. They're getting harder and harder. The song did not help whatsoever. Well, it did because he was blue. Yeah, and but like great song. Well, I knew. I okay. Well, I, okay. Yeah, you're right. The song did help to a point until you kept going over it and over it again. That was kind of irritating. Great song. Great song. It's really not. It is. Who sang it? Groundbreaking. Eiffel 65. 65. Thank you. Yeah. You could probably be more helpful. Not you. Me? No, not you. Oh. I'm talking to you, the royal you, who yes. we do this for each and every week. If you referred a friend and uh, told them to come and listen to our podcast and hung out with us on the socials. Yes. Facebook, Instagram. We don't have a YouTube. We just don't have the chops for YouTube. Hi, guys. No, Mel here my again. hair is too wayward for that and I don't have a skincare routine that I can take you all through when you ask me what my routine is. Today we're going to do a mukbang. What's a mukbang? That sounds rude. It's just where you eat a whole sounds bunch like of stuff. Swingers or Let's something. Let's do a video where oh, we do a what? whole bunch of stuff. You yeah. film yourself eating? Yeah, yeah. Gross. Yeah. 
Sounds like sweet. That is so disgusting. Yeah, I'm going to paint myself blue and then we can go and do a mukbang <laughs> No, it's like they just eat a whole bunch of food. That's disgusting. Yeah, a mukbang. Uh <laughs> Or yeah. Well, you can come over to the socials and help me decide whether I should go to the physio or buy the Von Dutch hat. Yeah, that's nice. You can do it. Mm. Do a poll. Do I a should poll. do a poll. Yes. We've, we've got three listeners. Yep. So theoretically, you should get a definitive answer as yes. to what you should do. <laughs> yes. Yes. Although, if I did go on the YouTube and monetize, perhaps I could make enough money to do both. Do you know how hard to get it the is hat to, and you've go got to get the you've got to get a thousand list a uh, thousand viewers. Oh. In it. yeah. No, it's not. Well, maybe if I do a mukbang, there are so many people that just think that they can be like the next Jake Paul and make their fortune oh. on YouTube. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, we don't do. We're not. We are under no illusions Wowzers. here. We're not trying to Wowzers. make a fortune at all here. We're just having fun, and we're glad that you come and have fun with us, and you can continue to have fun with us if you tell your friends to come and listen to it as well because then we'll all have something to talk about together and if you want to be on the show we'll have even more to talk about together send us a message yes we haven't had a guest for quite some time we have been a bit lazy haven't we've we? been lazy and we've been busy i mean this is not even a side hustle it's not a hustle because we're not hustling at all we're just <laughs> trying to have some fun but yes. um i do like having guests on we like visitors and, yeah, and, and it yeah. stops us from making shows that go for over two hours of just us bantering back and forth. Crap about nothing. So if you want to prevent that from happening, you need to play your part. Yeah, otherwise it's on you. Yeah, that's right. It's all your fault. <laughs> Come and message us on the socials. We can talk about what your life was like in 2002. Yes. We can talk about what you're doing now. I don't I don't mind. Like whatever you want to chat about, It's mm. we can make you the star of the show for that particular week. Oh, that sounds nice, yes. Yeah, maybe you can answer the movie clue for me because, man, I need all the help I can get. Anyway, that's it. We're done. We'll see you next time. See ya. Bye. And that concludes another week that was 20 years ago. Join us again next time for more not-so-ancient history on T-20. In the meantime, come and reminisce over on Facebook and Instagram. Search for T-20 Podcast. Hey.